For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Because of some legal contractual rubbish, we can't put Casey's voice on the air until he starts. So to tell you all about the show, here's his six-year-old son, Caleb. There's going to be Lego, pizza, ice cream, and fart jokes. Thanks, Caleb. Listen, kids. Your new way to wake up in Cork. Red FM Breakfast with Casey starts Monday morning at 6 only on Cork's Red FM. Will it be the best show ever? Good man yourself, kiddo. Good man yourself. Big up the daddy. Meanwhile, unfortunately, about a week to 10 days ago, we were talking about the closure of a crash and preschool on the south side in and around Frankfield. This would have been little paradise. And yesterday, of course, the news broke of a preschool closure on the north side of the city. Um, and this preschool's been around for quite some time. It's before Five Family Centre in Churchfield. Now, the story makes the front of the Echo today. It's also picked up by Cork Bureau, where staff have been invited to a meeting today to discuss the closure and the steps ahead. Uh, what's going to happen? Um, 100 children, I think. Now, th- there's one number of 100 children and another number then of 50 children for after-school care and stuff like that, which could be 150, never mind the amount of staff uh, that are working there. Um, it's very sad. Um, one staff member who asked not to be identified to the Echo said that they're heartbroken. Some of the employees have been working there for over 30 years. Uh, but again, it's it's the typical reasons why businesses are closing. They call it a myriad of different reasons. Financial challenges, regulations, operational issues, recruitment issues, difficult choice of closing the doors are, are trying to carry on. And unfortunately, they have decided uh, to call it a day. Now, I may have some updates on that story uh, throughout the course of this morning, but it's um, it's unfortunate because, of course, the timing is awful for families as well, going back to school after the summer break. We were talking at length yesterday. Indeed, uh, I was chatting with uh, Danny Collins, the, the Bantry publican. He's got a pub down there for a long, long time, the Boston Bar, the amount of pubs that have closed right across the country. Did you know that if you looked at 2022 alone, half of all of the pubs that closed in Ireland in 2022 were Cork pubs? Uh, so we, I know we're the biggest county in Ireland, but we got our right hammering, particularly rural pubs. Although Cork BO this morning uh, online breaks down the different pubs, the more famous pubs that have closed across the city and the suburbs. And one of the points they make is that if the likes of Bunnies can't cut it with the view that they have down in Myrtleville and the food that they serve um, what hope has any other pub it's a very valid point I was down there yesterday actually down around the Myrtleville and Fountainstown area I'll tell you more about that later on this morning because everybody was in great old form but Iron Man of course this uh, story uh, involves two tragedies from Sunday but the story itself has still not gone away ultimately and sadly it will go away there's a lot of inquiries of course going into um, you know risk assessments and who said what and what have you but it's very interesting because one of the questions that I've been asking all of the various contestants and those that took part is did you sign a waiver what did the waiver say I mean two people lost their lives here and apparently the Irish Times is picking up on the waiver story this morning because the waiver form that participants were required to sign ahead of the race did warn about discomfort illness injury and even death and I gave you the breakdown of the hundreds of deaths that uh, unfortunately took place in Ironman competitions down through the last 20 years. The vast majority of them, sadly, in the swim section, then followed by um, the 
uh, by the run and thirdly by the bike. So uh, the two main reasons that people die in Ironman are either drowning or heat stroke. So we know of the death of Brendan Wall and Ivan Chittenden. Both died in the swim section of the triathlon. Postmortems are expected uh, and will establish their exact cause of death. So the waiver is the story that features in this morning's Irish Times. But there will be a candlelit vigil tonight as the locals down in Yall uh, plan to show their support and offer their condolences to the brief families of Brendan Wall and Ivan Chittenden. Uh, so members of the public in the general area are invited to bring a candle or a torchlight to the vigil, which will take place at 7 o'clock at Green Park down in Yall this evening. And that's the story from this morning's Echo. Uh, from one other event to another event, and I'll talk with Owen English. He's the go-to guy when it comes to all things convention centre and conference centre. Of that, you can be sure. Um, the consortium apparently has now... Um, apparently, I thought that they were going to be breaking ground and they were going to start digging and they'd have kango hammers going... up and down the South Main Street in September. But apparently what they've done is they have given in more designs and more paperwork, some more planning. God almighty, would they ever get done with it? So he talks about that in the examiner this morning. I won't say so much about it now because I will be revisiting it. But it's a lovely story making the Cork independent today where Marguerite Kiley talks about Cork being the second greatest place in Europe to retire to. Apparently we get pipped by, um, I saw it in the article there this morning. Where did she say it was better than us? Madrid in Spain, apparently. Be fierce hot though, wouldn't it? Be fierce hot. But anyway, apparently Cork comes in second. So she's saying in the independent, Cork Independent, if you have plans to retire and you're thinking of spending your golden years in warmer climes, sipping sangria, you might want to think again because a perfect retirement is closer to home than you actually might think. Apparently a company have come up with some kind of uh, theorem which balances, um, you know, food, scenery, culture, quality of life, happiness, friendliness, I don't know if they looked at weather because weather's kind of important when you retire and when they throw all that into a mixing bowl they came up with Cork as being the second best place in Europe to retire so we take that all day wouldn't we um, you, you heard of the story coming out the story's coming out of, of Russia uh, like Putin is capable of doing anything I mean beyond a day's work for Putin to order a plane to be shot down out of the skies uh, was this Putin's bloody revenge on the people behind the attempted coup there a couple of months ago and the, the mutiny that's making all of the papers today but the um, interestingly both the, the Sun and the Mail lead with it on their front pages but closer to home with regards to criminality um, the Irish Times is saying and the actually it's the independent story that I have where burglar and gangs of burglars and so-called joyriders um, they know that they can play cat and mouse with the Gardaí now more so than ever they know that they can act the maggot on country roads or on motorways they know that they can get away with it because they know that the Gardaí are not allowed to give them chase um, and there are some reasons that are correct as to why the Gardaí can't give them chase. And one of them is you don't want innocent people in their own cars being hurt or killed. I'm not at all bothered about joyriders or criminals or people who are involved in burglary or breaking the laws, whether they get hurt in a Garda chase. I don't care about any of that. It's the innocent people. So they know this, you see. And that's one of the reasons why uh, the Gardaí, um, they're saying, um, have to... Um, you know, back off because nobody wants individuals who are just um, going from A to B innocently being caught up in a car chase with Angarda Shikona. Um, and I was talking there about issues involving about Cork being a, a great place to retire to. Um, one of the things that if people come here and decide to take up on the offer is their, um, their electricity bills and their fuel bills will be insane by compared to, to Spain. I mean, probably a very little or no 
fuel or heating bills in Spain. So we're 800 euro higher than the average in the EU. And now they're after breaking down in this morning's uh, Irish Daily Star that groceries now are costing 13% more a week on average. Uh, and that means that this is just since the start of this year. God only knows would be like if you put on last year's figures as well. But when you look at the entire year, you are paying just for the staples, just the regular stuff, nothing out of the ordinary, 752 euro this year more on stuff that you were getting last year for 752 euro less. Papers also this morning talk about Ryan Tuberty, apparently, and I went and looked on his Instagram yesterday. He had a video to the tune of um, Fleetwood Mac's Don't Stop. He kind of broke silence yesterday, did uh, Ryan Tuberty, telling fans, stay tuned for more. Now, what that means, I do not know. Is it an offer from overseas? Is it an offer from another Irish conglomerate? It's hardly RT coming calling after axing him last week. So he's kind of broken radio silence, or at least social media silence yesterday, saying, um, hang in there, there will be news. He must have been gone, going through the ringer in the last couple of weeks, the misfortune. Nobody would want to go through that. It's a high price to pay. Um, anyway, anxiety and worry and panic and all sorts of things like that. Actually, anxiety makes the papers today because a lot of people suffer from it, genuinely suffer from it. So I don't mean to say this in any kind of belittling way, but apparently anxiety is quite good for you. If we didn't have anxiety, uh, we'd still be back in the caveman days. In fact, if we didn't have anxiety, the human species probably would have been wiped out millions and millions or thousands and thousands of years ago because anxiety and worry and fear um, makes you sharper and makes you uh, more on your game apparently uh, without a sense of dread humans would still be living in caves it's an interesting story making the sun today um, um, but we're not living in caves and we're out there and we're trying to get on with our lives and we're trying to go to work see that story recently hope I can explain this right but Hayes Ireland recruitment are saying the more and more people now are switching jobs and they're happy to go into new professions and one thing that would attract them into a new profession I'd love to get your thoughts on this is that you would work Monday to Friday and then the next week you would work Monday to Thursday and each of those days on the Monday to Friday of the first week and the Monday to Thursday of the second week you would work maybe half an hour longer but it would mean that the second Friday you would get it off am I making sense I hope so so the second Friday would give you a long weekend and apparently uh, a lot of people who are thinking of switching their jobs three quarters of them said yeah I'd go for that. I'd switch jobs if you gave me that. I'd work a little bit longer in the first week, a little bit longer for the second four days of the second week. Give me the Friday off. So you get the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday off. Call in sick on Monday. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. Donna, good morning. Thanks for holding. Um, uh, last week, of course, it was Little Paradise in Frankfield. And this morning, the news of uh, the Before Five Family Centre. Does it impact on you with your son? It does. Um, Jackson is three and he was meant to be starting there next week on next Wednesday. Um, and Jackson actually has additional needs. So we picked the school for him to go to and we've been trying to get him in there for the last nine or ten months. Is it a very popular one, preschool, preschool? Um, it is, it is. And it's just that I went there myself. My family kind of all went there. So we were aiming to get him in there. Now he has You went there? How long is it open? How long is it in business? I have absolutely no clue. Like before me, my aunts went there. So it's not, it's definitely, definitely over 20 years the old. The Echo this definitely. morning is saying upwards of 30 years with some staff there for 30 years. I believe it. My own mother, she used to do the, um, the after school up there, the homework club and stuff up there. 
for she's absolutely shook that this is after happening so quickly and so overnight. Okay. Like, now I did endeavour to talk with somebody involved in the in the preschool itself in before fam, five family, uh, but nobody's available or in a position or wishes to speak. So all we have is the statement, you know, the heavy heart statement. Yeah. We need to closure yeah. of her beloved. You know, a lot of it to do with the, uh, you know, financial challenges, regulations. All of the paperwork apparently is just their heads wrecked, Donna. Yeah, but Neil, this is a this is a case of it's a community preschool. It is. Now I don't know who's on the board of trustees. I actually don't think anybody knows who's on the board of trustees. But it's a community preschool. If they'd have come to us a few months back, called a public meeting and said, Look guys, we're struggling. If we don't get help, we're gonna be shut down in in September, I can almost put my life on it that everybody around that community, past pupils, everybody had somebody that went to the before five. They all would have stepped up to help. Like there is a business person in in the north side as we speak offering financial help. I'll come back so, to that as well this morning. I will be talking with that individual. They did like yeah. they, they, they didn't get regulated or visited or they didn't get a, you know Tusla didn't call or the HSA didn't call or the HSE didn't inspect them. Were there issues in that area? Do you know? Um, not that I know of. Now, as I said, look, my son has additional needs. So we, we only filled out the forms a few few weeks back with the before fives to get him a name support teacher. Um, and it all got approved. Like, he, he, it's got awarded and everything. So we, we landed on our feet because, as you know, kids with additional needs, they don't get the support always. You yeah, know, so you're now scrambling for somewhere else, are you? Yeah, as I said, we gave up his his place and little hands in in Ferris, and they were fantastic. Go um, back to them, girl, fast. I tried. I went. I rang them yesterday, and I went back today. And look, as I suspected, they had a waiting list as well, of course. And the minute I took Jackson's spot out, they replaced it with some other some other child, and now his place is gone. So now I'm going to have a three year old with me at home with nobody looking out for him because the number that they put in the text message for Cork City Partnership, I tried it yesterday and it's just going straight to, to an answer machine. So nobody's helping. Nobody's looking out for us. Okay, okay. Okay, hang in there and stay listening because I do have uh, the Sinn Féin councillor Mick Nugent uh, who's of that parish and he joins me by phone. Mick, good morning. Morning, Neil, and good morning, Donna. Now, I'm I'm wondering if this is actually uh, just the beginning of more to come because within the space of about 10 days, big one on the south side closed. We're talking about um, um, Little Paradise in Frankfield. And now, yeah. this. but what's interesting about Before Five is it's been, in, it's been in business for decades, like maybe 30 years or more. Well, Neil, I tell you, it's at least, it's over 40 years. Anyway, 40, good God. What, because, what's uh, gone wrong? Actually, we were talking about yesterday, actually, Kenny Collins, Councillor Kenny Collins, went there himself, like, you know, so he's in his 40s anyway, so that tells you how long it's there, and and I think it's safe to say, like, before five will be seen, it's a bit of an institution, really. Um, the state, their own statement said that their beloved family centre, I think that's fair, you know, in terms of it. A preschool, yeah. a crash, it's, it's, that, it's, it's there that long, you know? and it's looking after so many children for over forty. It's yeah. like the closure of a big school. It's it's on that level, like isn't it? That's it. Um, and was doing adult education. There was various other meetings there. Even city council had community meetings there. It really was on the, the heart of everything there. One of the things that I, that I found out when I was talking to the people at Little Paradise in Frankfield was the amount of paperwork, documentation, bureaucracy they have to go through, and mountains and mountains of way we have to employ full-time staff just to deal with all of the paperwork, 
could that be one of the reasons um, the pressure's on it from, from Tuscan HSA? That's, that's a fact. That's obviously a factor. And I see um, Kate Gaffney, um, who has a place in that pool, talking about it yesterday on her um, yeah. Facebook page. And she's been moment. on the air with me as well, talking about yeah, being yeah. snowed but, under but with he, paperwork. Yeah, but that makes a good point. You know, in terms of Fernery stepping stones um, last year, when that was in trouble, you know, people rallied, community rallied, myself and Kenneth and Thomas Gould and others and parents and staff, and eventually um, somebody else came in there. This has kind of come out of the blue. I mean, I was looking at the before five Facebook page, and they're advertising place, they're advertising for spaces back in July, you know. Um, it mentions a myriad of reasons in this letter without giving too much detail further than that. But it is my understanding that another provider was being spoken to about coming in and it's to assist um, before five in stabilising and that there will be funding there. That's my understanding from talking to staff members. That seems to have fallen apart at a late stage and without any detail at the moment, Neil, why that was the case. So I'm wondering, is that why they were advertising in July for spaces and parents went away and booked spaces and no one left in the lurch. So I think it's beholden on the board that we need more detail. Yeah. I think Punji deserves more detail on, on this need. So who's, who is the board? That's a good question. I've been trying to find out. I've been looking into it. Um, instead of Kenneth, I often call there, um, you know, staff there, certainly, but not the board, the board of trustees. I know... Um, I think Deirdre Pearson was, is the coordinator of the centre, but I'm not sure who was actually on the board. Um, Neil and we just got an email from the board yesterday at five o'clock just talking about the reasons, but without giving too much more detail. And it's come so late in the day, you know, you know giving little time now for people who are looking for alternative spaces, but maybe also little time to try and see and rescue the place. And they really should have spoken to people I look for assistance from the, the wider community and public reps and Cox City Childcare Was there anyone interested in taking it over? Yeah, yeah exactly exactly right. and they could and they may have been you know okay. they may have been as I said um, okay. I was talking to another provider yesterday as well and other providers are asking me what's going on before five you know what's going on here like Hold on there, if you will, because one of those that we came across yesterday who was reaching out to help the local community is business owner Colin Tobin. Now, he's got three ladies' salons. He's got uh, uh, two dental practices. He's got a convenience store and he's got the top of the hill bar. So he's a huge employer and a massive uh, business uh, yeah. operator on the north side of the city. Uh, he joins me by phone. Colin, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? And, and I know that you're keen not to make this all about you. I understand that and I respect that. But how and ever, y- you are interested, are you? I'm very interested, yeah. Absolutely. If I can help, I will, you know. So, why not? And did you... Like, I don't have the, I don't have the social media post that you put up yesterday, but it was along the lines of, I'm here, come and talk to me, I'm willing to buy it. Was that kind of the yeah. gist of it? Pretty much. That's about the size of it, yeah. Yeah. Were you looking to start a business like this, some kind of a preschool uh, or a play school or um, um, crash? So I have my eye on something else there for the last 12 months or so. And um, I have a kind of a plan A, but um, plan B for the, the building that I'm after would be uh, a crash and a preschool simply because um, I have a two-year-old myself who was actually due to start in the before five centre crash um, in in ten days' time, like yeah. everybody else, in the same predicament. So, yeah. um, but we're out here in Ballincollig, and we put our daughter down for probably half a dozen crashes, and there was just 
no spaces, no places, you know. Um, she's down for one crash in particular for the last 12 months, couldn't get her in there. Um, so I was kind of thinking to myself, there seems to be a kind of a, a lack of supply here. You know, maybe there's an opportunity for somebody to step in. And then yesterday, with and just full disclosure, I, I don't know why the before five centre was closing. I don't want to offend staff or management. I got a, a phone call from a family member of mine asking if I received a text like everybody else. And I hadn't yet at that point. Um, just to say that it was closing and I kind of couldn't believe it, you know. So They said financial, you can probably relate to this, you've got multiple businesses, they talk about financial Mm -hmm. challenges, changes in regulations, operational challenges, recruitment, Mm -hmm. which is staffing, that they've made the difficult choice of closing the doors. Sounds as if they didn't look at any kind of a thing like a plan B or an alternative plan. They just decided to close the door but you what you put up was I don't you what you put up on on social was I don't know why the before five is closing but I know there's 150 parents with no places for kids in two weeks time in, in a major panic especially parents of kids with special needs I'd happily buy the business keep it open honor the kids places along with the staff's jobs I know this will be a bit of a stretch time wise but it's an option at the very least show this to the right people and tell them to get on to me I'm ready to go has anybody mm. got back to you with regards to that? No, no. But I'm, but I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I made a similar offer there probably 12 months ago when South Dock in Blackpool closed and I'd, I'd already had an in there insofar as I'm already kind of in the medical game with the dental practices, you know, with panel numbers and I'd have a fair idea how to set one up and I had the means to set one up and the premises was there and... You know, there was a couple of councillors and TDs also tagged in that post and I didn't receive one call. You know, even if someone was to kind of, even if it never led anywhere, if somebody was to ring me and at least hear me out and kick the tyres and look at options, but no, I didn't receive one call about that either. What What were you Actually, planning to you know, do then with regards to South Dock? To open or to protect and keep open the South Dock Clinic, is it? Yeah, either, either employ or associate with a doctor and just provide provide the same facilities. You know, and fund it privately. Yeah. Were you, were you aware of anything like that, Councillor Nugent? Did you know of that proposal from Colin Tobin? In in terms of before five, is it? No, well, this is another one, but the one he was yeah, talking yeah. about with regards to South Dock. No, and so, and, and so that might be something we'll be coming back to shortly. That could be another okay. uh, uh, story. But you just like before five, I look and appreciate what um, Colin's offer. I mean, oh, it's, you know, he's coming from a good place. And that's something that we looked at. Now, before five, obviously, it's a it's a community uh, childcare facility. So it's closing, uh, pal. It's kind of like yeah, that, that I know, point is I know, moved now. I know. It's gone. You can call. You can give it any saying, label you want. It's gone. You, yeah, I just saying to Neil, I'm not sure someone could buy it. That's all I'm saying to you. But look, it's something that could be explored. There might be some way um, around that, you know. But look, just and definitely appreciate what Colin is saying anyway, and and the offer. And look, everything we need to be put on the table now, you know, but it's a, it just, it's a community childcare. It operates on that model, just to say that, you need, you know. Yeah, so it's a community childcare where they employ staff to run it in a building that's provided by whom? I said it's a community building going going way, way back. Okay, like, so in the Churchfield community. community, yeah. yeah so the building absolutely. is provided by... Um, for, uh, for for the community and before like the board. So, if, uh, yeah, but he's, he'd only be taking it over. He doesn't want to own the. Yeah, building. yeah, and, yeah. And, and before and be fair, before five, the board has said you know that they will look at an alternative um, provider, 
at that location. So perhaps there, perhaps there's a way of bringing Kyle into that conversation there in terms of but have to carry it should be carrying on at the community um a community project, you know, because you would have private businesses as well, but also community businesses or community childcare facilities, which is what Before Five is. So, was it with Before Five right now? Is it is it non profit? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, Colin, would your intention be to turn it into profit making? Well, it would probably be the only option for me, would it? I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I'm kind of going in blind here now this morning. Lad, I listen, if I, was running, if I was else, running but... the place, I'd be sitting down across the table with you right now and I'd be working out the details and I'd be protecting the children and the families and the jobs. But uh, that's well, just well, me. Well, put it this way, like, I, I'm in a position, I could register all the staff within the next 10 days to two weeks on my own payroll and keep the doors open as if nothing happened and try and walk, to, walk through whatever kinks and problems are there. Surely, Mick, you could Work with him on that. The doors. Oh, 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 absolutely, Neil. Absolutely. But just uh, when it's a community um, facility, obviously it's as Donna has mentioned. You know, there's um, two years free, free um, years for parents and the children, and the children would uh, the parents would be availing of a number of different kind of schemes in terms of subventions there for the, so the kids can take avail of the places. But look, oh, that could be oh, that could be discussed and see how... You're aware work. of all of that, Conan, aren't you? The, the, yeah, the... I mean, look, you know, do you know what? It doesn't sound a million miles away from what I do already. If, like, you'd absolutely honour that. I, I know how crucial that um, scheme is to parents. And look, if you look at just take a dental practice or a doctor's surgery, for example, um, sure, there's also government entitlements there, which you just basically apply for a panel number and anyone with a medical card comes in and away you go. And, the, you know, the, the, the panel number is applicable to the business or to the member of staff, i.e. the dentist or the doctor. So I wouldn't imagine that that's too complicated. I'd say all the kids would still get their entitlements. It would just be a matter of red tape and the government signing off on the new owner as such or the, the new... The keep new it, yeah, keep it open and, on, and it will yeah. continue. And, and, and families will be protected in the knowledge that their children have somewhere to go, upwards of 150 yeah. of them. I wonder if that's something that you could take under your wing, Mick Nugent, and work with... Uh, with yeah, Look, push it on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was talking to staff members last night, their meeting today, and I said to the staff members that myself and Kenneth and Tommy Gould would be available, um, could be tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening to meet um, the staff. They're up for that. Um, we couldn't, you know, involve Colin in that conversation. Because the, only, the other option is it just closes and it's gone and it's just wound up. Yes, so. yes. That's, and I know, and we don't want that. Another facility closing, we don't want that. People rallied okay. hard to save Stepping Stones and Farnery um, last year, you know, and that was successful. Um, so, Look, everybody that can support support uh, the four or five, but more importantly, the parents and the children is what we need. Can local councillors go to that meeting today? I'm assuming that some board members will be meeting the staff members. Is that right? I think today, I think the staff and talking staff member last night are having their own meeting. They're involving um, a trade union representatives as well. Today, we tried to contact um, the trade union reps. Yesterday, one was off, but I think there's others coming in today. So they're doing their own meeting. Uh, today and they're coming back to us afterwards and we're going to try and arrange a, a broader meeting then uh, with the staff and after that then they'll probably involving maybe parents and um, Colin and others who would like to support. I think that um, would be a very people. positive thing if you involved Colin Absolutely, Tobin yeah. going forward because oh, yeah, 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 sure. like, see I'm, I'm sitting here in the middle and I don't know who the board are, I don't know where they're from I don't know how to contact them, it's a really grey area 
Um, no one's put forward. Well, yeah, and statements. fairness to Colin, like he, I know Colin does a lot of work. Colin does a lot of work, you know, in supporting um, homeless groups, and, and I know Colin's intentions are, are good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And the intention is to keep it open. So hopefully absolutely. that will happen. All right, listen, Colin, um, liaise with uh, with McNugian, and let's see where it goes. And uh, undoubtedly, I get calls from other parents and other family members who would love to see it um, continue and not close. So good luck with that. I hope it happens for you. Yeah. Yeah, look, my, my phone number is there on Facebook for anybody that wants to contact me and go further about it. So there's probably no more I can do at this point. I know. If somebody wants to talk to me, away we go. All right, my man. Good idea. That's All uh, right. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. my man. That's sure. how the private sector gets things done, just gets on with it. Um, there don't seem to be any other offers on the table at this point in time. Thank you to Sinn Féin, Councillor Mick Nugent. Thank you, Donna, and thank you, Colin. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Seems like a very hasty decision, doesn't it? Uh, while I haven't been talking to any of the board members or any of the staff involved in this, it seems very hasty. Sorry, we're not reopening. Can't do it. Goodbye. Terribly sorry. Email in from one parent said, I had to send this email as I have nowhere else to turn. At 10 past four, I'm Wednesday yesterday I received a text to say that the current childcare provider which would be before five the provider I've always used for my kids will no longer be in operation and they will not be opening their door next week a week later a week's notice now Neil I have five kids and I work from home this coming week I'd planned uh, to send my twin girls age four back to their second year of preschool I also planned to send their little brother to begin attending creche uh, AJ, little brother, is autistic and I have made this well aware to the facility before the end of the year even begun. I now have no other choice but to send my two, uh, my just uh, four-year-old girls, to school. Uh, they just turned four in July. I have now found myself in a situation where I have three kids age four, four and two with no childcare provider after having everything sorted for a long time. I now do not know what to do. Isn't, it very, isn't four very young to be going into primary school. I have two older kids age six and eight who go to school and now I'm caught between a rock and a hard place of either giving up my job or trying to find impossible childcare for my kids. What is one to do? I've worked full time prior to my son and his autism diagnosis. I decided it would best be for me to change to part time because he has a lot of additional needs. So now even for the part time work I do, my child is expected to remain at home and not get additional resources and social time that he deserves as the place I had planned for decides now not to open its doors. I am outraged. I was absolutely looking forward to him starting, to bring him along, to meet little people his own age, maybe even bring on his vocabulary as he's nonverbal at the moment and boom, now he's been denied his chance. I think that this behaviour is scandalous and totally and absolutely unacceptable. How can premises do this to people and to their parents? Uh, I don't even know what else to do. I've rang everywhere, I've emailed everywhere, I've messaged everywhere, but everywhere says either he's not eligible, as he's not a certain age, or else everywhere is full. Uh, how are parents meant to support their kids or even return to work when they have a space available anywhere, is, and anything like this would be I- impossible. Um, I think it's heartbreaking for kids of all aspects, uh, expected to wait for absolutely no reason. My child, who is autistic, is one of the most amazing human beings in the world. And this time, where I have informed um, of the premises of his special needs, they just decide to shut their doors. I don't think it's any, anything personal, Sinead, to be honest with you. I appreciate your email. appreciate it. I know you're heartbroken. If anyone knows any crash facility in the Northside area of Cork, I would so appreciate it. And that's from 
um, Sinead Cummins, who's very happy for me to share her name. I don't think it's anything personal. I think, you know, there could well be more like this. I, I do know that um, preschools are under an awful lot of pressure with regards to bureaucracy. And, and I, I, think, I, I think I can say without fear of contradiction that with the, with the case of Little Paradise in Frankfield, they went through a very, very, very hefty inspection which would have been kind of HSC, HSA, Tusla inspection. They go in and they go through every single thing into tiny little minutiae and all of it has to be corrected and all of it has to be done and some of it is is important and serious but some of it is really Michael Mouse. Um, so there's a lot of issues like that when it comes to paperwork and operational challenges, not to mention it's harder now to get people to work in this area because to be honest with you, the pay is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, so unfortunately, unless some plan B is come up with and, and maybe um, Colin Tobin's one is the plan B uh, and I think they should certainly investigate it very, very seriously to keep it open um, because anything would be better for it to just close down. You know, talking about things closing down, I sent out the challenge. They were talking about pubs that had closed uh, on Leaside, um, certainly since 2005. We're looking at nearly 2,000 pubs across the country. Unfortunately, an awful lot of them in Cork. But somebody was talking about the amount of pubs that had closed in the greater Blackpool area, and I said, come on then, let's see if you can list it. Um, and I got two different people coming back attempting to do it. Um, here I go again, sending you the list, meaning that he probably sent it to me before. But he says the pubs that have closed for Blackpool, the Bowlers, Gainey's, the Groves, Henry's, the Blackpool Tavern, Molly House, Dan Lyons, the Glen Bar, Bearhaven, Cots, Halley's, Liam Daly's. I think my dad might have, my grandfather might have drank in there. The Watercourse, the Eagle, Quinlan's, Falvey's, the Tourist. I didn't know that was a pub, the Tourist. Uh, anyway, Blarney Tavern, Darby's, Small Darby's, O'Mahony's, Dick Turpin's, the Constellation. Is that closed? Wow. That's news to me. The Harrier and the Tower, and I'm sure I've missed a few. So that's one effort to talk about the pubs of Blackpool. The second one came in then from Yorick, and he says, in Blackpool alone there were over 30 pubs. Off the top of my head, those now closed are Christy Manny's, Falvey's, The Fishing Net, The Old Distillery, The Eagle Bar, The Watercourse Inn, The Glen Bar, The Village Inn, The Blackpool Tavern, Molly Howes, The Bowler's Rest, The Harrier Bar, there was one at the end of Peacock Lane, Liam Daly's, The Unicorn. I think Liam Daly's was the end of Peacock Lane, is that what you're saying? The Unicorn, Halley's, The Bridge Inn, and the one next door to it, the Blarney Tavern. Can't think now, but there could even be more than that. Two excellent efforts. It's very sad, actually, to read them out. All gone, but uh, maybe not forgotten. And they were just pubs in the greater Blackpool Watercourse Road area. Anyway, if you think you can beat that, text 0868104106. Some of those pubs actually brought in Blarney Street and even up in, in close enough to, to Shannon Street. So keep them coming. Back to the phone lines we go. June, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How uh, I'm good. I see um, Paddy O'Brien this morning talking on behalf of um, an, the elderly, elderly generation. He's saying that going cashless uh, would have seriously very, very devastating consequences, particularly for older people. Um, what's your own story with regards to cash? Yeah, like, I mean, I'd agree with him. I was talking to my father yesterday and, you know, he, he was upset at, at the news that they were closing. He'd no idea. Um, this is the NCT refusing, is it, to take cash? Yeah, yeah, he'd no idea because, like, I've always paid in cash. Most of my family have always paid in cash. 
And, you know, when when you're on, it's not even if you're on a certain income, but, you know, you, the bank charges have gotten so high, um, you know, and you take out your money just to cut down on the bank charges. And I, I think they're, one, one week they took like 40 euro out of mine. Um, and at the moment, like I'm on illness benefit because I'm out of work sick. And just went in and took it. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, that's the food money gone for the week. Yeah. You know, no notice, just took it. So after that, I just went, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So when the money goes in, I take it out. I pay for everything in cash. I set aside a little amount of money every week for bills um, and then I go pay them. I'm not the only one who does it. A lot of people I know do it, um, and particularly the elderly, you know. Not everyone has a bank card. Not everyone likes using them. Um, but, you know, I just think it's so wrong that they just come out and... Mm. Um, no regard for their customers, um, no regard for what people are going through at the minute with the cost of living, um, and just announced it, you know. And, I mean, they work on behalf of the Road Safety Authority. The Road Safety Authority are a government agency. So, like, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just mad that... that Private company, though. ...doing this. They're a private yeah, company, they have the tender for an English company, so technically they, they can do whatever they want. Well, yeah. Except they, the fact that cash is legal, mean, it's legal tender if you were to challenge it. Yeah, but I mean, I, like someone said to me there, you know, they're a private company, they can they can make whatever policy they want. But I mean, you know, I just think people should boycott it. I, I, I just think it's such a wrong thing to do. Um, you can't you can boycott the NCT, Joe, and you're going to get fined oh, by the Copperoonies. <laughs> Where's your I NCT know, but disc? I mean, even, even if it's just to create, um, you know, people going, no, we're not standing for this. You know, every week on Facebook, you know, you can see uh, businesses, particularly small businesses, asking people to pay in cash because they're being crippled with bank fees as well because of, of the contactless payments. So, you know, I, I just... Sorry, I, I just feel, I, I think it's totally wrong. Okay. I, I think it's, it's, you know, really, you know, uh, disrespectful to, to the customer's needs. I don't understand this health and safety, um, you know, statement that they come out with. Because, I don't know, maybe I'm living under a rock, but it's the first time I, I ever heard that there was a safety issue um, with the NCT. And not only... No, it's for your safety and your convenience. God only knows what that means. No, I know, and, and people should be fed up of it, but uh, they're also saying that they need people to pay with debit cards because um, there's an awful lot of no-shows, you know, whereas if you pay in advance with your debit card for the NCT... You, you're definitely going to turn up for it because if you don't turn up, you're wasting places for other people who are desperate to get their car tested. They can only do that with a debit card, you know? But Neil, like, this is all news to me. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, like I said, I, I'm just not hearing it. But, uh, you know, you have people crying out for appointments in the NCT centre. You have them waiting for months for an appointment. What if you pay for it, right? And the next thing you go... Do you know what? I think I'll I'll get a new car 
and you sell the car, but you you still paid for your NCT. You know, I mean. It, I know, like, I know that, but we're kind of half splitting hairs, really. That you know, the reason they're saying that they want people to pay up front, and you can't pay up front in cash is just to make sure that the slot is there and the person will use it rather than just booking it. Because you can book it and pay on the day and that's clearly not working. There are thousands and thousands of no-shows. I don't know. I mean, every time I go back to the NCT centre, it's full. You know, you're trying to get an appointment. I I don't know. I just think it's wrong. I don't see why you can't have both options. Okay, okay. Thank you for that. Appreciate you listening. Thank you, June. Tim Keane has Michelle Jewellers on Patrick Street. I wonder whether he turned down cash if somebody became in for a bit of jewellery. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Are you of the the belief that cash is still king? Yes. You'd get charges, wouldn't you? If somebody bought maybe a bit of jewellery from you now, a bracelet or a necklace or something, and handed you a credit card or a debit card, you'd, be char- you'd get a bank charge for that, right? Yes, we do. So why wouldn't banks, why wouldn't businesses prefer cash? Well, I suppose there's a few reasons. Uh, one is security, in that uh, you don't have a problem if your credit card dockets are stolen, or if anyone is up to anything, they can't take the credit card dockets where they can't take the cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, the guarantee of the money in that um, today, there's so much forgery and all this kind of stuff with the cards. Everything is guaranteed once you get a clearance number. Like all the all the things are on. Do the you have today. forged just just? Would you have from time to time forged notes coming across the counters of the shop? Oh yeah, you would. Yeah, you as would, I've, yeah. I've seen in some supermarkets, uh, and and I've actually saw it recently in a in a garden centre. They have them. They have them pinned up on the wall for staff to see what a forged fifty looks like. Well, it happens. Yeah, it happens. And, you know, it, they always said that the criminal mind is ahead of the normal mind because they have to be ahead to do the thing. But anyway, it's a different story. Oh, I know, but, uh, are, you, but are they good enough to fool you, the 50, the, the forged one? Oh, some of them are, yeah. Right. But okay. I mean, okay. you know, after a while you spot it. It's like everything, you know, when it's new and you get caught once, you don't get caught a second time, you know? So why then do you say cash is safer than cashless? Well, I mean, I feel personally, I'm of the generation who believe in cash. I know my children are who are in their twenties and their thirties practically carry no cash. Yeah, yeah. I, I whereas I was always have some cash in my in my wallet without a moment's hesitation. I'd feel totally wrong if I didn't. It's just uh, I've always grown up with that, and that cash was king. And you know, I could go into a place and I could fight about something, and I could get business, maybe a bit of discount because I was paying cash. You know, that point of view, uh, it was just I, my, the way I was reared. And you, I was yeah, You also shared a post where, with regards to, say, for instance, supermarkets with the, with the self-checkouts. You're not a fan of those either, are you? Well, i tell you why I'm not. If you're going to a self-checkout and there's five or six of those there, there's no one person unemployed. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Doing people out of work. Yeah. And it's very simple to say, you know, oh, everybody's going to college and they're going to be this degree and that degree. But everybody needs to work. Whether you're a college degree or you have a new degree or whatever. 
I mean, people start off and they're going to college and they want to part-time work and they're earning things like so much an hour in basic wages. That, that has to be there as well. I mean, the, what I see is I go into places and I see where they put in these cashless machines and I see they go down from having four tills where they have people to one till and half a dozen of these electronic machines. Yes, I saw that recently and I'm, I'm open to correction on this now, but there's a Texaco Express on the on the Douglas Road and they had at least two physical checkouts where you, where you went up and, you know, you had a cashier there and the, they did the business with you. But they got rid of, I think they may have got rid of all of them and they're all, I think now, the entire Express is all self-scanning checkouts. In actual fact, that's quite familiar to me. It's, they got rid of all of them except for they now have one till for uh, a person to work from and the rest are all cashless. Is that what it is? There's one left, yeah. But why should that surprise us? The banks did the same with bank tellers discouraging people from either coming into banks. Yeah, discouraging. Uh, <laughs> they do everything to stop you coming in. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it made me laugh the other day. I had a problem one of these... Uh, messages, you know, these fraud messages came in on my phone yeah. advising me that it should happen to my credit card and or my debit card and I was to do the do do this and do that. And I of course looked at it and didn't think about it and said, No, not gonna do it. And then I said to them, maybe so I rang the car company anyway and they said, No, no, don't touch it, it's a fraud. They're always frauds, no. Tim. They're always I always always. So yeah. that was fine anyway. I happened to go into the bank uh, about an hour later and I'm in the queue for to do my business, which everyone is in. And this lady, very nice young lady, comes up to me and says, uh, excuse me, do you do um, online banking? And I said, mm, I'm not a real big fan of it. I do a bit of it. And she said, well, you know, it does this and it does that and it does this. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm on about fraud. Oh, no, no, no. I said, um, well, I got this this morning. Oh. Well, no, you'd have to discuss that with someone who knows in the tech. It's always like somebody walking up to you and saying, kind of almost saying, you're not welcome in here, <laughs> you know? I know, yeah. You know? And she really didn't like to say, I can tell you. But I mean, you know, I just, I'm the old, I'm an old generation. I That's it. it. That's it. This and generation. I like cash. I, I, I like the feel of cash. I believe in cash. I believe it gives me a bit of security to myself that I can pay my bills, I can uh, buy what I want, when I want. It's my business and no one else's gotcha. business. I'm not paying commissioner, you know? All right, appreciate the call. Much obliged to you. Tim Keane from Michelle the Jewellers. Uh, text 0868 Neil, in London, they have totally cashless and, ca- and staffless shops. Amazon Fresh have shops. Everything is done by computers. Yes, but I did read an article on the weekend where some of those Amazon Fresh shops in London actually closed down. Uh, it isn't the thing, it isn't the case that everybody's into uh, the Amazon Fresh model where you don't do anything at all because everything is just connected to your phone and the accounts on your phone literally walk into these shops and you take whatever you want and as you walk out the door it's automatically debited from your account. Back after 10. So he is just turning 10 in the morning. Cork's Red FM, the home of Red FM's new breakfast with KC starting 6am on Monday morning. Cork, I don't know if you've heard the news but we have a brand new breakfast show coming soon. 
so that was all fine. We were delighted. I was making out the rosters on Wednesday and next thing Wednesday evening, the new employee rang me and she said, or she didn't even ring. She texted and she said, look, I went to hand in my notice and my employer is now offering me three euro more. Obviously, I'm going to stay. Now, Neil, I three euro an hour more than what I was offering her. So basically I'm getting from the Department of Education 13 euro for a name support worker and I was offering this girl 15. But then her boss decided to say, I give you 18. Now there's no possible way I could even match that. There's no possible way because I'm a small centre. So um, I said, you do know you're after leaving me in an awful predicament and whatever. And she you're goes, wasting you your time, me. Avril. Oh, she's, oh, she's gone. She's gone. She, absolutely. T- she should have rang so, you if she had any, any oh, kind of dignity at all. But, absolutely. But it's, it's an employee's market at the moment. So I ended up anyway. I'm not going back to that mom. I could not do it. It's just not in my being. Uh, you know, I'm in childcare but for the love of it and it, I couldn't do it. So now I'm having to take my manager out of the office here and she'll go do the aim support work in the mornings. But that means then now we're gone back into more pressure from paperwork and regulations and do 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 So it's a vicious circle. But, you know, I'm sorry now and I'm going to rant for two minutes, right? There's a meeting for all childcare providers in the Oriel House on Sunday evening at 7pm. And I actually emailed 55 county councillors yesterday and the 16... TDs that are in Cork and I got I got a few replies back couldn't come out of the country diary full keep us updated can't arrive blah 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 the only one that replied um, positively was Eileen Lynch Councillor Eileen Lynch from McCroom so, so she's coming it's like they won't even listen you know it's really disheartening because retention of staffing is huge is there one, um, if there was one main reason why we find and again, I'm back to the two examples of Little Paradise and also Before Five, that they're closing. What is the one main reason? There's not one main reason, you see. It's it's just not one main reason. Funding is huge. Staffing crisis is huge. And it's the administration workload, basically. That's it. Mm. That's exactly it. So, like, it's three kind of denominators. And, you know, they're looking at Scandinavian models and, you know, the English model, which is in a heap at the moment. Like, childcare in England is just a disaster. They shouldn't be looking at any Scandinavian model or, or English model or Canadian model they were looking at at one stage. They should be setting up their Irish model. That'll work for the Irish people and that, you know, properly funded and all the rest of it. Like, on the Minister O'Gorman, is listening to the expert group but what blows my mind is there's no financial consultant on that expert group and there's no business owner what do these academics know about running a business? No, I mean, now, they, they, they know the theory of it, but not the practicalities of it. the theory of yeah. it, exactly, Neil, but that doesn't work in everyday life. It's t- you know what I mean? Talking so of, yeah, like, okay. You know, yes, you talk about sorry. everyday life, and if you go back to my childhood, of course, much of this was based around the fact that mothers did not work. They were at home. Uh, we mm-hmm. didn't have as, nor did we actually have as many diagnoses for conditions that children now seem to be Absolutely. suffering with. So there's all sorts of special uh, care for the children needed. But this is very much because we've become a very equal society to men and women who are now going out to work. They're having children, but they need somebody to mind their children, isn't it? Absolutely, because look, society, everything is after rising. 
both parents have to work these days. You know, big mortgages back in the day, 2008. But just in general right now, no one can get on the property market. Everybody is working every goddamn hour. And, you know, it's like they have to go out and work, so they have to have childcare, but yet we're not providing those places for them. And we're not giving them enough. Like, if I write, uh, personally myself, I think it should be tax relief towards the parents. Relieve some of the, you know, administration burden on the childcare provider and directly give it to them. You know, that would ease up then the pressure of... You you know, administration and filling out all these forms. Mm. For that mom that's coming with that little boy to my service, uh, we downloaded the form. I dropped it to her house personally myself. She filled it out. We scanned it, put it back into the department, and they wouldn't accept it because they need to generate it on their side by typing it and not hand-filling it out. So they sent me back the form, generate it with the information on it, and I had to print that off and go back to that lady. Yeah, I already signed that. And I was like, no, it had to be populated on the other side. Yeah. And she was like, stop. I said, this is the sort of baloney that we're having to put up with. Like, it's just ridiculous. When they talk it's about ridiculous. bureaucracy and paperwork, yeah, okay. Thanks, Avril. A lot of texts on this text, 0868104106. Lots of other texts, actually, on different topics also. But any chance that businessman would actually buy Little Paradise as well? It's not a community crash, and it is profitable. We're on five waiting lists for places, Neil, for our kids. Uh, my son went to before five, three years ago, the crash and the preschool. They're the nicest people, and I'm going mad over it. My child has additional needs and speech difficulties. On his first week in preschool, he said his own name, and I thought he would never, ever say it. They're the best out there and the nicest people. I'm just going mad over them, and I hope it does stay open. Neil, can you please let people know that Early Start Preschool in Farron has places available for this September? There are at least... 30 places available. I don't want to feel like I'm poaching or being insensitive to people before five, but let people know. Listen, you are not being in any way poaching or insensitive. If you have places at Early Start Preschool in Farnry, people need to know. Cork City Childcare has a list of childminders available on the north side area. Maybe that might be an option. Uh, those creches should be banned, all of them. The mother should stay at home and mind their children instead of trying to keep down a dead-end job, says Jar from Ardford. What do you think of that text? Because that would have been a world um, of 40 or indeed 50 years ago when mothers, by and large, stayed at home. Jar says... Creches should be banned, mothers should stay at home, mind their children, instead of trying to keep down a deadbeat job. Your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Okay, lots of texts. We'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning, but I did mention earlier on when I was having a look at the newspapers that Owen English was teasing us yesterday, saying that there was uh, some more news with regards to the Cork Event Centre. I thought it was a date for Kangos and construction to actually start. It apparently has more to do with more paperwork and technical plans and drawings and all sorts of stuff like that. Anyway, just to explain it, Owen English joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So it will be uh, eight years next February since the sod turning, and it's already ten years since BAM got the competitive tender contract. But yet, here we are, still talking about paperwork, right? That's it in a nutshell, Neil. Yeah, now, I suppose it's it's very important paperwork, and it's paperwork that we've been waiting for for three years since this venue got planning permission. Um, so it is a significant step and it's a step in the right direction. And I suppose the reason we were making a big deal about it and teasing people with it last night, I suppose, is because it's the first step that anybody has kind of seen publicly on this in a long, long time. 
Um, we, we've been going on statements of assurance from people like the, uh, the Chief Executive of Cork City Council and from various politicians whenever we ask them about it that this is going to happen. They've been saying that for eight years. Um, and especially since it got planning, you know, they've been repeatedly insisting that despite the fact that we've seen nothing happening on site, that not a single brick has been laid on this building, that it will happen, it's going to happen. Um, but we've been waiting for this detailed design work to be done since the planning was granted in 2020. And there was issues around who was going to pay for that. Uh, then COVID hit and obviously everything stopped. Live Nation took a massive hit during that when mm. live entertainment was basically cancelled. Um, but this year, there's been a lot of soundings coming from City Hall. I suppose you could call them kind of a lot more confident soundings than they've been issuing in the previous three or four years. They were kind of giving us, you know, timelines that we would see work by, by that we would see progress by June, July, August, September. There was even a prediction that we'd see construction starting maybe even before the end of this year. And we took that with a grain of salt because they've been saying that for years. They said the third quarter of the year, which is pretty much nearly passed now and nothing's happened. Yeah, and that's why this is so significant because... Um, until they got the detailed designs, they couldn't sign off finally on the compliance with planning, as they call it. So what the developers had to do here was that once they got planning from Board Panola in 2020 for the building on South Main Street, uh, the board attached 19 conditions and the developers then had to go away and draw up detailed designs to ensure that they were in compliance with the planning permission. We've been waiting for those detailed designs to happen and now we can confirm that they've happened and that a raft of documents have been sent into the planning department in Cork City Hall uh, for the planners to assess to ensure that the development is in compliance with planning. I'm told the process of reviewing those documents will only take a matter of weeks. And I'm going to say this now, Neil, with with a note of caution. Hopefully, that's it. That will clear the way for negotiations with the developers to, 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 to start negotiations with subcontractors and hopefully for work to start on this within a couple of months. That's that's the that's the hope, Neil, but as you and I both know, yeah. we've been talking about this process with hope for eight years and nothing has happened. So you're, ho- you're optimistic step. that it would start, the construction would start before the end of 2023? Neil, I've been optimistic about this for years, but you know, like you, you, you can only take so many public assurances that things will happen, that things will happen, and when nothing happens, you kind of lose faith in this. But the soundings I've been getting off the record from people involved in this is that everybody's committed to it. They, it's now been proven that they have put their money where their mouth is in terms of paying for the detailed design. There are a raft of documents lodged with the planning department, loads of reports from a range of experts involved in venue design, acoustic experts, but you're like, architects. Yeah, go on. No, it's just, <laughs> of, course they'd be, of course they'd be mad keen to get on with it. They're getting 85 million euro funding towards it, wouldn't you? Well, I, I look, Neil, I suppose no matter who's involved... Well, the state in this, funding is 57, I guess that, but 57 yeah. million is an awful lot of money to be handed over. It is. It's a huge chunk of change. In fact, the, the state is now giving more money to the developers in state aid than this entire project was, was estimated to cost back in 2014. So they are getting a chunk of change, but like the argument all along in this process has been that what the city will get back in terms of, uh, you know, bank for its book... Tax, rete- okay. tax receipt yeah, yeah. that it'll be worth it in the long term. Yeah. It'll be worth it. In the so, long have term. you seen all of these designs? Because there is a there is a lovely graphic in the Examiner today of probably one of the main entrances into the event centre, and that would be over this one of them was kind of over the southern tributary of the Lee. Is it? 
Yeah, there's a proposal for a bridge to be built from the Crosses Green side over uh, to the event centre site. Now, that bridge is going to be built by or delivered by the City Council. Um, so the view you see there is effectively what the building will look like when it's built. Now, the documents that have gone in now... Uh, detail, like, you know, it's very detailed technical design, a lot of architects speak, a lot of engineering speak, but basically what they're saying is that uh, the building that was permitted by the, uh, by Onboard Panola in 2020 is pretty much what we're going to get built once they start building. There have been some minor changes to the curve of the roof, there's been some minor changes to the floor space inside to comply with building and fire regulations, but what they're saying is that all these changes are really fairly fairly minor. Yeah, no, it looks fabulous. Give it the, yeah, then yeah, that planner should give this the go-ahead and it'll allow them then. There's actually, what, and I think what's important about this, these documents, Neil, is that there are statements in them that basically say that, look, if the planners give this the, 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 the thumbs up, it will allow everybody involved in the event centre to start uh, detailed discussions with subcontractors on pricing and on contracts. And they say that they really want to get on now and deliver uh, on the potential for what they call the okay, iconic Okay, okay. Let, let's, let's stay positive because you certainly are. And let's drive it on. Do you, um, do you know when it would be, like how long would it take to build it and when would the first gig be if it starts this side of, this before the end of 2023? Any idea? Well, I, uh, what people have been saying, Neil, is that this could take between two to three years okay. to build. But again, you know, take that with a pinch of salt because as we've seen along this, you know, once you've crossed one hurdle, there seems to be another hurdle and another hurdle. But this is definitely, this is a big hurdle that they've crossed. We're a step closer and it's just a question now of them getting on site and getting the building done. And do we have any ideas as to what would happen with um, Musgrave Park and the summer gigs there or indeed live at the Marquee? Would they be inclined to move to uh, uh, the event centre or would they continue to do their own thing, do you think? I, that's a good question, Neil. I think they might do their own thing. I mean, Live at the Marquee has a very special atmosphere. Um, you know, artists often talk about it, and Peter Aiken often talks about the atmosphere that that tent generates, um, and that people like playing in the tent. Yeah. Whether that atmosphere transfers to an event centre, I don't know. So I think Live at the Marquee will probably continue. They might have to find a different site, but I think that kind of summer tented music thing yeah, don't works, have yeah, uh, yeah. a future yeah uh, now whether Musgrave Park could compete as well as as it now obviously capacity is an issue for the event centre it's a 6,000 capacity venue so I think there might be room for both Neil I think there might be room for all of them okay my friend okay listen um, we'll stay positive then you certainly are very upbeat about it uh, another hurdle completed let's see what happens and if sods well nearly said sods will be turned that was turned that was turned many years ago but ground will be broken eventually this side of Christmas let's see thanks Owen appreciate it thanks Neil as yeah, always Owen English uh, with the Irish Examiner um, let's, let's remain positive and let's remain optimistic what else can we do really it's kind of almost mortifyingly embarrassing otherwise the length of time that it's taken. Uh, you know, with regards to work and huge amounts of work that's been done, do you think that all of the changes down below at the uh, Jack Lynch Tunnel and in and around there with all of the new feeding roads and all of the lanes and everything, has it made any difference? Mel is suggesting that it hasn't. He says, uh, my dad's a lorry driver that drives through the Jack Lynch Tunnel many times a day. He says um, the traffic seems to be getting worse every day heading north through the tunnel 
and yesterday was even the slowest yet. And, and bear in mind, um, we're in August, so it should be a quite enough month. It makes no sense as the traffic lights of the interchange. This is the whole Dunkettle area now. Imagine huge amounts of work and money spent. Has it got any better? He says it makes no sense that the traffic lights of the interchange are gone. So it would be free-flowing now with no stopping. He reckons the solution would be to up the speed limit from 60 to 80 kilometres on the approach to the tunnel as it used to be. Oh, right, okay, it's 60 now, is it? It's causing people to panic and jam on. Indeed, people aren't even allowing others to merge easily from the Mahan slip either, which is also leading to stopping. People need to understand that allowing others to merge helps traffic flow, and those merging should do so confidently without slowing to a stop. Um, I know that's the theory of it, but it doesn't always work in, pra- in, prog- in, in practice when it comes to merging traffic. Also, the lights at the Dunkettle roundabout are a complete mess and a total waste of time. It's just causing huge delays every morning and every evening. We understand that works are ongoing, but there are many vehicles zooming through the tunnel at far higher speeds than 80 kilometres out of sheer frustration. And there are going to be accidents if something doesn't change. Hope you get an opportunity to share this, says Mel. Thanks a million, Mel. That's with regards to the Jack Lynch Tunnel and the Dunn Kettle Interchange. Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. With regards to the Kilcully funeral and funerals in general and stuff like that from yesterday's programme, um, uh, looks like Prendy is afraid of the travelling community. He's siding with them in case they come knocking on his door. Uh, smiley face, smiley face. A monkey with eyes closed. I don't know what you're talking about in that regard. I think that what went on up, what went on up there with regards to the revving of cars and spinning of wheels and tyres and everything is not to be tolerated. And I've told members of the travelling community that yet yesterday on air. So I don't know what you're talking about being afraid of anybody. The majority of the travelling community couldn't give a flying F about the rest of the population. That's why the majority of the rest of the population couldn't give a flying F about the travelling community. Uh, can't come on the air, but I hope you get to read this out. This is following the funeral on Saturday. These videos on TikTok and and social media that you've been talking about uh, were posted by attendees at the funerals themselves. This is only one of the many videos that were posted. Why couldn't they mark this person's passing with what happened with the cars outside his home and left it at that and let the rest of the deceased in the cemetery to rest in peace? Neil, you are fair with all, so I couldn't ask you to say what I really think. Sorry? Um, but uh, most people would tell you that the travelling community are just a law unto themselves and not a guard in the country would disagree with that. And they have the whole country ruined. What happened in the graveyard was totally wrong. How anybody couldn't see it that way, I have no idea. Um, incidentally, much of this was um, brought to my attention originally by Councillor Ken O'Flynn, who was due on air yesterday morning. And in spite of trying, I don't know why, because it's not like him actually. He doesn't usually shy away from stories like this. So I'm still endeavouring to, to talk with him, but... Um, uh, no luck. Uh, no, not, I, I think I don't know whether the phone isn't being answered or being picked up, but we're just not able to make contact. Uh, tell Maureen to go and listen, and listen to Eddie Lenahan's podcast on Irish wakes. It will explain a lot to her, and it's very interesting. Well, the wake would be a million miles sometimes from what the Catholic Church would say that a funeral or removal should be. They can be a lot of fun, can't they? Uh, Please get uh, Maureen, who believes in an invisible man in the sky, off the air. She's talking through her you-know-what. People pay for the plot of the graveyard, you know. They are not free. No, I was never suggesting that anything was free in that regard. Talking about the respect of other people who were buried there and their families. Can't come on air, but I've I've been and seen many funerals of bikers 
who come in great crowds to pay respect to one of their friends. They would all travel behind the hearse and they would rev up their bikes in respect. Their friend that passed away would have loved it. I think it's a beautiful send-off. So somebody there failing to see the difference and perhaps there isn't a difference between bikers revving the bikes and people in the middle of Kilcully revving their cars, spinning the wheel, burning tyres and smoke from the exhausts. Uh, can you please ask the lady on the radio, does she really believe that the earth is the centre of the universe? Uh, I never heard such a tyrant as you had on air yesterday. If she's a representative of modern religion, it would people put people off going anywhere near a church. Aggressive and no tolerance or empathy for anybody, anybody else's point of view. Pretty sure there, these are all negative traits that actually go against the ethos of the church, don't you think? Uh, and there are many more like that. Um, I lost a brother and a sister and Eva Cassidy's Field of Gold was my brother's favourite song and was played as my brother's coffin as my other brothers carried his coffin to his resting place. At my sister's funeral five years ago, we played Donna Tarrant, There Will Be Another Angel Around the Throne Tonight. It was sung by a vocalist. Tell me, what is so wrong with that? When I hear those songs, I pause and remember uh, my brother and sister. In fact, sometimes I put them on YouTube just to remember them, says Eilish. Uh, with an attitude like Maureen's, can you blame people for not going to Mass? Wakes and celebrations of life have been an Irish funeral tradition for ages. Not parties per se, but an acknowledgement of the lives they led by family and friends in remembrance. And that's what I want to see more of, actually. More of the celebration of a person's life. I mean, it is sad, I get that. But the celebration of a life well lived. We should be accentuating that an awful lot more. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's lots more on Kilkelly, Kilcully, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. But um, this is the time of the year, of course. We're going to find an awful lot of people going to be looking for accommodation. We're in the middle of, or coming close to the back end of August and into September. What, what you're going to find now also as we head into the back end of August and early September is more people are going to be caught and more people are going to be scammed. That could be students coming to Cork from other parts of the country to go to Munster University, maybe even UCC or language schools, but also an awful lot of people coming in from overseas who are looking for accommodation and falling victim to scammers. So this is, we're heading into the worst season for scammers now by virtue of the fact that there are so little places available to rent. I know that Laura Harmon, the uh, Executive Director of the International Council for International Students in Ireland, did a quick check recently there on daft.ie. It's fairly alarming, the lack of what's available there, but she joins me by phone. Laura, good morning. Good morning. What what did you find on daft.ie? Well, so on daft.ie at the minute, I mean, I was just looking there. There's only 79 uh, rooms to rent within Cork City uh, at the minute. And if you think Leaving Cert results coming out now, um, tomorrow there's going to be thousands of students from Ireland and across the world, you know, looking for accommodation, as well as the general population that are trying to rent. And even if you go 20 kilometres outside of the city, so that radius, there's only 129 pro- uh, properties to rent, so rooms to rent, not even full properties. Rooms, so, you're saying? Is in a bedroom, is it? As in a, a share, yeah, to be sharing accommodation, yeah. So that's just on Daft. There are obviously, you know, other websites and colleges would be able to provide some guidance as well around other student accommodation. But I suppose this is a symptom of the wider housing crisis, the fact that, you know, we're living in a low rental um, supply situation at the minute and rents are, are high and there's a lot of overcrowding as well and, and substandard accommodation out there. So a lot of people are, you know, kind of, really, you know, eager to find somewhere to live and unfortunately scammers are taking advantage of this as well. So they are 
um, trying to scam people out of money, people that are urgently looking to find somewhere to live. So is it a case, I'll come to the scammers in a moment, Laura, but is it the case at the moment now that you're saying that the, it, it's changed now, the model has changed where landlords prefer to rent by the room as opposed to renting the house? Well, there's a mixture. It's a mixture. So there's still houses to, to rent, but there's also rooms and, of course, digs as well. You know, people are renting out rooms in their own houses as well where they can do that, you know, and tax-free up to a certain amount. But, of course, that doesn't, I suppose, help, you know, international students. They can't just be in digs Monday to Friday. They obviously have to they need the weekends over as well, time. yeah. How yeah, are they so being scammed? So a lot of the scams are happening online. Um, so fake websites. So these scammers are very sophisticated. You know, they do this for a living. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them get away with it. So they're replicating websites like daft.ie, like Airbnb. They make them look like exact replicas um, of the originals. There might just be, you know, one uh, letter out of place in the actual URLs, the link of the website. Um, and then what they're asking people to do is, you know, hand over money uh, online, often over WhatsApp. So this person will send you a text message and there'll, there'll usually be an urgency about it. You know, they're in a rush, which is a big red flag. And they'll ask you to maybe transfer over Revolut um, or Western Union. Um, and then suddenly, once you've handed over the, the cash, um, they'll have disappeared. And I suppose if people ask you to hand over cash, meet them in person, hand over cash, that would be a red flag as well. If they're reluctant to show you the property, either in person or give you a virtual tour, that would be a red flag. Or if their bank account you know, looks like it's from another country. Right. You know, some of these scammers aren't even living in Ireland. That's the thing. They might be operating from abroad and they're just doing this at their laptops at home. So they're not even, you know, here. So um, they could be they could here. be scammers using Cork to scam, using Dublin, maybe London, Paris. They could be scamming all over. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, the students that are looking for the room or whatever, are they actually physically in Ireland or in Cork? Are they trying to sort this out from abroad? Well, yeah, it's a mixture. So, I mean, for students coming from abroad, a lot of them would rely on virtual tours or they might be able All to get right. assistance with yeah. somebody in Cork. So, it's important to get a written contract. I think that's that's key to, to have it set out, the terms, what you're paying, the duration of the stay, and also to get the identification. So, you can ask for the ID of the person that's trying to rent you this property or the agent, ask for, a, you know, a copy of their ID. It's okay to ask for that um, and their proper contact details. Um, because, you know, we, we do find that scammers won't supply that information. Um, but look, this is a symptom, as I said, of the wider housing crisis. It has been getting worse, unfortunately. Like, it isn't new this year, but it has been getting worse. And the guard even says that there's been a 65% increase in rental scams over the last four years. And from just from those that have been reported, they've estimated that over 5 million has been stolen from people in the last five years alone. So obviously this is affecting people renting all over the country and in Cork. Lots of students now will be looking to come to college, you know, on MTU, in, in um, UCC, uh, and in language schools in Cork as well, you know, over the coming weeks. And this should be a really exciting time for them. You know, they're getting their results, they're getting their course, they should be thinking this is a new chapter of their life, a really big milestone and journey for them. But unfortunately, a lot of them are going to have this pit in their stomach, you know, this big worry, because they're going to be thinking, where am I going to live? Am I going to be able to afford it? You know, what's it going to be like? Am I have to, going to have to commute long distances every day? I mean... You know, we've all heard the horror stories of students that have been sleeping in cars and couch surfing and none of that is taken into account when we look at homeless figures. And I mean, the homeless figures in Cork, you know, are rising and, you know, across the country, you've got 12,600 people that are homeless. So it's all connected and it is a supply-demand issue. And I mean... It's been fueled by colleges though, isn't it, to some extent? I don't know whether you have any thoughts on that. Are we taking too many international students 
um, you know, whether it's MTU, UCC or language students. I mean, why would you take so many if you know there's nowhere for them to live? Like UCC, about 4,000 students from 104 countries. Yeah, well, I don't think capping students, you know, is ever the answer. I mean, the answer is the supply. And unfortunately, the government don't have, you know, a student accommodation strategy. The last one's been out of date for four years. They don't have an international education strategy. That was due to be published uh, two years ago and we're still waiting on it. So there is no kind of long-term plan. And then also you have to look at the fact that international students contribute significantly to the economy here. Uh, over two billion uh, is what the government estimates themselves. And they also work when they're in Ireland. Many of them work part-time and they can work full-time during their holidays. So a lot of the people that you meet, you know, if someone got their coffee this morning, that might have been made by an international student. Um, you know, retail, uh, they're working in retail. There, there. A lot of them are Deliveroo drivers. They're working for companies like Just Eat. So they're actually really contributing to the economy here um, as well. But ultimately, I mean, another thing I think is dereliction. I mean, there's over 700 properties um, was estimated within uh, a radius of Cork City alone. Um, that are that are vacant, and I think that needs to be tackled. That needs to be clamped down upon. You know, in the middle of a, a housing crisis, the fact that there's land hoarding, hoarding going on, and that there are properties there that could be done up properly. And I know there are some inroads being made into that in terms of the. You know, the, I know that the government have given out some grants to councils. I think Cork is getting 11 million to do up properties. But if you think there's 700 properties, that 11 million would just be a drop in the ocean there. So, dereliction as well should be tackled. Yeah. What's Scam Watch about? This is a campaign to raise awareness, is it, uh, regarding scam fraudulent landlords that don't even exist? Is that what that is? Scam Watch? Exactly. So it's a collaboration between us and the Irish Council for International Students, the Union of Students in Ireland and Threshold Housing Charity. So Threshold would have offices in Cork as well. And if you go onto Threshold's website, How to Spot a Scam, you can see a list of the do's and don'ts. So things that I've mentioned already around getting a written contract trying to view the property if you can, not handing over cash, um, you know, being wary of fraudulent uh, websites. Uh, all of that is, is available on that website. And we encourage parents, you know, to look at that. And anyone that's looking to rent, really, particularly first-time renters, um, to be aware of what to expect when you're renting and your legal rights. OK, but do, do colleges and language schools, do they warn students um, in advance of the potential that Ireland has a problem with scamming? Do they make, it, make them aware of it? Yeah, I mean, I think most colleges would be upfront about the, the kind of living situation in Ireland, the cost of living and also the, the housing situation. And I know the international offices, you know, in UCC and MTU, they do a fantastic job of supporting students, you know, before they come here and while they're here as well um, in terms of their student experience. But unfortunately, we have seen, you know, embassies abroad putting out warnings to their citizens. I know the French embassy issued a warning before Christmas, um, warning French citizens about coming to Ireland because wow. of the, you know, the housing situation. And it's affecting other people as well, like nurses, doctors that want to come over. You know, we're seeing they want to, to work in CUH, for example, and they get accepted, but then they've nowhere to live. So, and engineers, you know, it's So they can be potentially scammed as well on a bedroom or a house share or something like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely could. And God also, I think, you know, the lack of accommodation is, is you know, affecting them as well. So it's, it's a kind of a wider issue, but certainly now it's obviously pertinent because you know the academic year is starting again we know we have an influx of students and a lot of movement going on within the country as well domestic students um trying to see if they can find somewhere so um it's important i think in the coming days that people don't i suppose rush into signing any contracts or or not signing contracts that they don't rush into accepting something unless they know you know it is the real deal they don't even get to contract stage so they don't they've sent the money by revolution it's all gone and finished by then isn't it 
Exactly. And I mean, they can talk to Threshold have housing advisors that people can talk to for free and they have a really useful helpline that's open from 9am to 9pm and you can actually chat to someone, you know, in person, you know, not a bot. And you go onto the website, you can chat to someone in person in Threshold, either by calling or going on their website and they'll be able to help you, you know, if you, if you suspect something is a scam or not, they'll be able to advise you on your rights. And also, reporting to the Gardaí is key here because this is a crime, you know, this is theft. Um, and, um, you know, we would encourage people to report to the guards as well if they have But why bother if the scammers are international? They should have no hope. Should don't? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they could be international. They could be from Ireland. You know, it's, it's worth we following up if you have in, any information. And unfortunately, there is under-reporting there as well. But we did a survey last year of international students and we found that 14% of them um, were either scammed or someone tried to scam them. And I think they're taking advantage as well of the fact that English isn't a lot of, you know, these people's first language. So there is a language barrier on top of that, which obviously, you know, kind of prevents them maybe from accessing the information that they need. So that's why we're we're trying to get this out there far and wide. And um, Okay, you know, happy to oblige. Okay, thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Much obliged. Thanks for taking the call. Laura Harmon, International Council of International Students in Ireland. But Katrina Toomey is seeing quite an amount of international students by all accounts arriving at her door at Cork Penny Dinners. She joins me by phone. Katrina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Do, do they talk to you about potentially having been yeah. scammed or the amount of money they pay for rent, things like that? They do, and they apologise for having to come, but when they tell us the amount of rent that they're paying, and it, it just makes sense. They don't have anything left for to buy food or to eat, and they're quite hungry when they come. They never complain. They're just so grateful for getting it, and they keep on saying, you know, they offer to volunteer. We have a lot of them like that help out here, that volunteer as well. We could, if we took them all, we could open the city hall, but... Um, <laughs> It's just that um, it's a very sad situation to know that somebody's son or daughter could come to a country and be treated like this. You know, the the rents are very, very, very high. Like what? Do they tell you what they might be paying for a bedroom? Anything. Oh, yeah, we had one guy recently, like 1,200. Actually, we had a girl not so long ago who was talking to us at the door. She's Brazilian, a lovely girl, and she went for an interview for a room in a house, and there was a man living in the house himself, and he had a, a son who had special needs and he basically offered her a room for 800 a month plus she'd have to do all the washing the cooking and the cleaning for them right god almighty you know she was thinking of taking it and we pleaded with her not to you know and we did get her in touch with some other Brazilian guy who knew that somebody was leaving from his place and kind of got it sorted it was only just so that's a a typical example of somebody using The chronic situation we have to their real advantage, like, really. So, like, as if the 800 wasn't enough for a room. And it was only a small room in a house, like a box room. And um, so she, she was very disappointed. But it was, she was, you know, she... She, was, she, she thought was about it. it. She thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah, could be paying, you, you were saying they could be paying up to 1,200 for a room per month. Exactly. Would they have and access to the kitchen then and to be able to cook and some do the... Some of them don't. Some of them don't. Uh, and that's for some of them that's a real difficulty then because they can't access hot food because they haven't the money to buy it so they're only allowed work 20 hours a week as well God almighty I mean some people must be making huge amounts of profit at the hands of other people's yeah. uh, crisis yeah and it, it's, it's so sad to see them do you know you know, we have people from South America from China places like that coming to us 
and they're very hungry. They're young people with a, a dream and a plan, like you know, to learn the English and to get a good job. And are they and primarily they're going they're... to the international language schools? Or are they CIT yeah, or MTU? Going... They are. They yeah. are going to the. They're going to the language schools, and like they think this is their way forward, you know. And and on the other hand, then like we've our own people struggling to find accommodation, you know. That our our students, you know, that would be so. It's on all sides. It's just not affecting those coming into the country. It's affecting those that are here as well. For example, if you're going to <coughs> college in Cork and you have to come from Clare to there or someplace like that, you need accommodation. And there's not enough of us around. Have you and college students coming to Cork from other parts of the country coming to eat at penny dinners as well, say from Clare or Galway or Tipperary and places? We'd have some of them, but we... Do you know, um, yeah, we do have some of them, yeah. And they've come and they're great. Some of them might just come, like, and take a sandwich and a bottle of water and, you know, go off. They, they wouldn't have the price of that, like. And, uh, but I know the college has a great system. Both colleges have great systems for them as well in place, you know, and they have uh, services that they can avail of up there. So, and that's when we just get a few that come down to us. And we get a lot of them that come and volunteer as well. Yeah, in fairness. So no, I mean, it's, it's, it's very sad. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad because they also have probably been scammed. You know, they thought that they were putting down a month's rent and a deposit by Revolut and they hand it sure. over and so their uh, life savings is gone. Do you know what worries me? A lot of them, like, have said, like, you know, that their, their studies, um, it's, it's a cross between their studies and trying to find the money for to pay for their accommodation. So... They're, they're at risk of having to give up their studies because of this. Mm, mm. Some of the English students, you know, have expressed that they're they're going back. We know, we know a couple that did said they just couldn't, you know, stay here. We know a couple of them that are doubling up and trebling up with each other in the room just to to be off the street. So all of it seems very inhumane. And, yeah, but I'm back know, to the colleges and the language schools. I mean, do they not have any responsibility bringing students in, taking money from them, substantial amounts of money, knowing that they're putting them in jeopardy with regards to housing? I think they look for housing for them, but the problem is, in the last couple of years, the price of housing has went way up. There's a huge lack of rental property out there as well. So the two of those don't kind of make it any easier for anybody. Okay. So the people in the colleges and the language schools, they do try to help to find accommodation for them, but they're having a difficulty in accessing that accommodation as well. It's just not there. Things are so bad, in Five Cork City schools and six creches, you are putting in mini food banks um, for the well, coming term. Know, yeah. All it is is just, do you know, some people might need a hamper in a week, but other people might just need one or two or three things. You know, it could be a packet of cereal, could be a bag of porridge, could be tea bags, could be sugar, anything like that. So those things, and I, I think it makes sense that for the people that don't need a lot of supplies, um, that can manage and just be short one or two things, that there's some place where they can go and get them. For example, if you run out of tea bags at home, you run out. You know, that's just it. You run out. If you have the money, you can buy them. If you don't, you can't. Yeah, or if you can't buy them for four or five days because you're budgeting so tight, I know. So how does that work? Is it literally a room set aside in the schools? Well, in the hallways for some of them. And if the the parents are dropping off the the young kids, you know, they can pick up something and take it if they wish. And is it up and running or is it going to start in the coming weeks? Some some of the creches are brilliant, like, you know what I mean? And, And they look after it. All we have to do is just give them the boxes. 
and they put them up there and it works very well for them and there's kind of some housing place as well and um, they do it as well for their residents who run short of something and that works well and it just means like that when a person is looking for food they don't have to look for the big camper if they don't need it and that makes sense all around just take what you need and head off and um, imagine that people are, are people are people up for that like or do they find it are they embarrassed no, but you're like, if you walk in and like we'll say, we have a, you, you have a bookshelf there and you have food on it, you walk in and walk out. Like, what are the chances everybody's going to be standing there watching you? That's not going to happen. They can pick discreetly. Oh, no, I think it's a great idea, cause, but it you shows know, we're living think, in very yeah. sad times, though. We are. And, you know, the fact that somebody can't afford a box of tea bags, that's happening. And it's not just somebody. There's a lot of people who can't afford it. We're going to know to the... Uh, you know, our, our, our beautiful winter again where people will be strapped for coal, people will have to turn on their heating and, and that's going to eat again into it. Totally, and, totally, totally. You know, like, yeah. if, you, if you can go into these, like, little, you know, and, and take, for example, take two tins of beans maybe and, and, and take them home. Like, you can do beans on toast. Like, Bag of pasta, know, a bit of rice or something, pasta, you know. Yeah, bit of, of pasta, tomatoes, a bit of sauce. I know rice, what you mean. You make yeah. it all the difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference, you know. So, you know, it's like being at home and you use salt and you've no salt there and you're looking at your dinner. Like, this is this is all mental torture for people that can't, that can't just get it physically. You know, they just don't have the money. Oh, oh, oh. And for goodness sake, like, with, with the cost of everything out there, who would be expecting people to have you know, loads of money left over to do all these No, things. no, it's a super initiative, but yeah. it doesn't surprise me because you're always coming up with new initiatives and new ways to help continued success with it. Katrina, thanks for taking the call. Cheers Thank for now. As you. always, the great Thank Katrina you. Toomey at Cork Penny Dinners. Text 0868104106. We're back after 11. Because of some legal contractual rubbish, we can't put Casey's voice on the air until he starts. So, to tell you all about the show, here's his six-year-old son, Caleb. It's going to be Thanks, Caleb. Listen, kids. Your new way to wake up in Cork. Red FM Breakfast with KC starts Monday morning at 6 only on Cork's Red FM. Morning, all text always. Sorry, Caleb. Sorry, pal. Text always 6810 on cashless. All started again by the NCT being the latest to join the cashless crew. This is another overreach from a government plan for cash and trace. Cork should send out a message that Cork is a cash society. You were talking about Texco Express on the Douglas Road. It is completely self-service now. Completely. I had a row with an employee in there when I went to pay at the desk. He says he wasn't allowed to serve me and pointed to the self-service tills. I wanted to pay with cash and eventually found a till that took cash. I told the young man that I wasn't being paid to work there and that I wouldn't be going back. Now, the self-service tills, the checkouts where you scan and pay yourself, they'll take cash as well as card and debit card and what have you. But it's just, the, I suppose, the principle of it for people. Um, everything now is going, um, you know, uh, automated. Would you please ask people who are against a card-only society what they would think about handling cash that several other people would also having touched? We would have a worldwide pandemic, or sorry, after having a worldwide pandemic, 
Point being, it's unhygienic to be handling cash. I booked an NCT months ago, paid in advance. I sold the car before the appointment and they refunded me in two days. What is the problem? With the NCT, it's so easy to sort out no-shows. If you book and you're a no-show without a very good reason, then your next booking should cost you 25 or 30 euro more. Uh, Morning in England last year, 23 million people went cashless. In Ireland now, with the cost of living, one in three people are paying the ESB bill weekly in the post office. Uh, Another person says, I see Ryanair now has an express check-in at Cork Airport. Just one person will now be over five or six express check-in stations. Well, that's a brilliant idea. It speeds everything up, but you'll be doing it all yourself with the machinery and the technology provided for you. Maybe that's not a bad thing. If the NCT is prepaid and there's a no-show, the NCT gets paid and it's just 100% profit. Uh, The safety of the client has nothing to do with it, in my opinion. Everything is to do with profit. Uh, And just one or two more. I'm sure businesses are charged for lodging cash too after close of business and whenever they do lodge the cash. I'm also sure there's an added charge for businesses to get change and coins. That could be one of the main reasons why businesses want card only. Yes, they are charged for the handling of cash. In fact, the barn told me that when we were talking to the barn recently about being cashless. They said that they have to pay huge amounts of money to companies, security companies, to move the cash from the premises uh, to the bank and they didn't want to do that anymore. Compare how much cash a thief can steal physically with how much digital currency a hacker can steal online and tell us again how cashless is more secure. This is Richie in Toker. Yeah, you could hack an awful lot more online, couldn't you? And literally stealing physical money. I agree with you in that regard. Fair play, Richie. Back after the break, text 0868. Oh, no, I'll tell you what. I'll take a WhatsApp call, actually, this side uh, of an ad break because Lauren has been holding. Lauren, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. You have a group, um, and the idea is to try and combat hacking, is it, or scammers? No, no. Um, no, that's not me. No, no, I'm no just, but it's, um, it's a way of trying to find accommodation for people safely, is it, it not? It is, exactly. Yeah, okay. it's, it's the same, I suppose, it's any Facebook group where people respond to things. You're, you're always going to get um, people trying to scam you. Yeah. But um, yeah. my son is an apprentice and he'll be going on his block release, which means he's going to have to fit in with a lot of other people looking for accommodation. So it's, it's a group that we kind of don't think about all the time they'll be looking for short-term rental um but there is a group in ireland specifically set up just for them to look for accommodation for apprentices and who could be sent for anywhere apprentices for apprentices anywhere around the country and then people who take apprentices in they can advertise on it or they can respond when one of the lads um looks for looks for a lead but invariably like a lad now could get called he could be from Cork he could get called to go to college in Dundalk but nine times out of ten when they look for accommodation there'll be a response you know DM me for a lead what does that mean but DM me for DM, a lead direct I, message I suppose me. DM is, isn't that for it's more for Instagram direct message me yeah yeah. Do you know, so so DM me for a lead. And if you click on that person's profile, they'll have sent that exact same message to about 
three or four different people maybe in the same day and they might be looking for accommodation in Kilkenny, in Athlone, in Waterford, but the same person is saying DM me for And the lead, lead would be so, what? I know of a well, room or I know of a who, bedroom? That, that would be what you'd assume. But when you click in on their profile, more often than not, they're from, they could be from South America. They could, they're, they're foreigners. So how they have a lead, I don't know. But, you know, you'd be mad to click in on them anyway. But they're, because their contact. next move will be trying to get you to send them money by Revolut, is it, for the lead? Do you know, they're just, uh, no doubt they're going to be scamming a room, that they're going to, they're just, uh, it's yeah. just desperate. Like these, A lot these, of these are people who couldn't find Ireland or Cork on a map, but they don't have to. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Do you know, you'd look, some, there's a couple that I've even had to look at to see where actually, where do they actually live? Where is that yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. But it's just, I suppose, these people, they're they are vulnerable. You know, they're looking for accommodation. They're stressing out. Where am I going to, where am I going to get accommodation for five weeks? Do you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, there are so many you know, different facets to people's lifestyles. We had been talking about international students or UCC students, but yet here we are talking. Yeah. So how can you fix it for apprentices to stay safe? Well, I suppose my big my big thing would be to say to any of them, just make sure that you look at someone's profile before you make contact with them. So you can click into their profile, then you can go, you can click in to, to see what activity they have on any page. Then you can go further and click into their profile. If it says they're living in Paris or they're living in in. Walk away. Walk yeah. away. I'm, I'm Walk overseas, away. but I'm renting my property. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. All that kind of, that's only baloney. But, uh, you know, like that, that's, and, you know, it was the same recently. I was looking for tickets for Indy. And the same thing, you put up something and all of a sudden you get bombarded with, with people. I've got two tickets um, and you click in on them and they're in Timbuktu as well. Yeah, can't make the gig, I'm <laughs> so overseas. I yeah, suppose yeah, my yeah. main point is just yeah. make sure to to click on someone's profile. All right, girl, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Coming late to the issue to discuss regarding the noise at Kilcully Cemetery and the disgraceful carry-on and the lack of respect shown to others in their final resting places. My dear, sweet, kind dad was buried recently in Kilcully and I cried when I saw the abomination of displays that were left behind after Saturday's funeral. I'm so sad that we chose Kilcully for my father. This is no reflection on the wonderful work and maintenance of the cemetery that is so evident and a credit to the staff at Kilcully. It is time now to discuss the option of a separate cemetery, perhaps for the travelling community, where they can erect their distasteful and enormous monuments and not upset others that are going to pay their respects to their own loved ones. If this is not possible, we need to legislate for size of and appropriate displays in cemeteries. If I could, I would take my father away from here and lay him to rest somewhere else. Kilcully will become a no-go area as the traveller burials increase. Please don't give out my details. Thank you for that. And that, of course, is all coming from the uh, carry-on, unacceptable carry-on. I mean, I'd nail my colours to the cross on that one. Revving up cars and doing tyre screeches and burning rubber and... It's just such a stupid thing anyway. Tires are fucking expensive as it is. Um, with regards to churches, are priests who are settled in a parish being moved to the next parish for financial reason, I wonder? 
and part of the same so-called family of parishes. Uh, it's a shame to be inconveniencing the parishioners um, and so much less money will be spent on mass cards uh, when their pre- priest moves on. No, it's it's not that. It's it's just that you might have a priest that would have to um, actually service four or five different parishes and um, we'd have one priest that would be dealing with maybe half, maybe could be up to three or four different Catholic churches saying different masses at different times. I totally agree with the fact that the church should have been left open during COVID and the shops and the pubs as well because COVID was blown out of all proportion by RTE and the government. There are false numbers of deaths due to COVID, rubbish science, wearing masks, untested vaccines, staying two metres apart and only being allowed to have a pint if you pay for a dinner. No driving outside five kilometres. No saying goodbye to loved ones on their deathbeds. It caused nothing but totally unnecessary stress and hardship to people. Yes, the churches should have stayed open, but I remember when a few priests tried to do that, they were threatened with prosecution. So how could they do it? Yes, some at least did try. Uh, And back to the phone lines on different topics. We were talking earlier on about the closure of yet another preschool. Dave, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Good. You wanted to pick up on this. You have a one-year-old lad, is it? That's right. And your partner went back to work a couple of days? Uh, Afterwards, for a while, and then she gave up. Why? Well, so I went back for two days, and a little bit of a hassle, so... And she preferred to stay home with the child, you know? She'd prefer to rear her own child at home and not go back to work. Yeah, she can afford it, you know, which is the issue. Did you do? Did you things. work out? Did you do the sums on it, kind of thing? We did, yeah, we did. It wasn't worth a couple of days' work, no. No, not for that. And so, and she delighted. She's with the child every day, and happy days for her. And I used to feel that when child's all up to go to school, she go back to work full time. Then, you know, I just take it to start first year or two. Maybe a parent should be at home. All the things, huh? One parent, are you saying, or always the mother? One at which, least. Not one just at least. picking someone, up because... Someone has to work, yeah. yeah. One, it could be the dad or the mum, is it? Yeah, I suppose that depends on every couple is different, huh? Yeah. Or it could be two women. No, to, oh, I understand what you mean, yeah. I mean, the, 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 absolutely, it could be all of the above. Uh, no, it's just that um, there was a text came in earlier on from Jor from Ardfert saying that all mothers should be at home rearing babies and not trying to chase down dead-end jobs. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that because... You would? Finance, I wouldn't agree with that completely, you know. It's down to financial issues as well, you know. But um, I think, yeah, it's important for the first few years for a mother to be there for the child, you know, and being looked at by strangers or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's not always possible for people, though. They have to go to work That's because it. they can, exactly. you know. Oh, I agree with that, but if you can do it, I think it's nice to have it. Pay one to pay at home, but it's, it's, it's got some things it's expensive for everything, it's, it's probably not possible for everyone. You know? So, are things are things tighter without that second wage? Um, not really, which I mean, you'd miss a bit, but we manage, you know, we find a way. And is she happy at home rearing the child? Yeah, it's tiring, but you know, she always wanted the child and actually with him in his early days okay. and you're, yeah. miss, you're going to miss things at work and stuff you know? yeah. probably miss things myself to be at work you know? yeah. but would but, but yeah so it wasn't an option that you would stay at home because you were the full time job she had a two day a week job well she had a full time job and she went back partly a few days but yeah, it was just a bit of it wasn't worth it you know 
So we just had a chat and said, you know, we can manage. We grant. Um, because between you're going to get children's allowance and all that stuff, it's going to be the same as two days, isn't it? After tax and the effort of going out and paying for the all baby to be, and the ba- baby's minded your, by somebody else. Uh, all that hassle for a few days. You know, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. So you have that extra few days at home and you get over the bit of money, like, you know. Yeah. But as I said, it's only one child and everyone's different situation. And will so, that change when, the, when your son is maybe three or four years old and going to preschool or going to primary school, will she go back to work then? I say so, yeah. Yeah. No, fair play, these no? early days, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I got it. I get it. Interesting point. What's the point in having a baby if you're working full time and somebody else is rearing the child? Appreciate yeah, that. Anyway, but, yeah. Thanks, Dave. Keep those texts coming. What do you think of that, guys? Um, it's a, it's a, a different way of looking at things, you know. One parent at home. Uh, of, of course, there has to be mutual consent. Absolutely. Can't come on air. I'm a little paradise mum. And to say the last few weeks have been awful is an understatement. Now, little paradise would be down around the um, Grange area, down around uh, Frankfield. And it closed a couple of weeks back. So I'm assuming that many parents still haven't managed to find a place. I speak for every parent, Neil, when I say we are heartbroken, terrified and angry. Some are facing unemployment. Some who got new spaces face longer journeys. And some will have to take unpaid leave because of the closure. Most of the parents will be left unemployed. Uh, most of the parents who will be left unemployed are mums and we're not entitled to job seekers as we technically can't work. A lovely man rang you this morning and offered to help the other childcare facility uh, that announced its closure yesterday on the north side, less than 24 hours after the announcement. This has only highlighted that no one is helping us, um, the mums of Little Paradise Kids. We've heard nothing about any offer. We are stressed, worried, having sleepless nights, crying and have fears of not being able to pay our bills. The amazing staff of Little Paradise are in this boat with us. We need help, we need support and it's not coming. I'm genuinely too upset to come on air. Um, So nobody ever made an offer to Little Paradise. And nobody came in and said we would take this over or buy it. As a going concern, it's a profit-making crash. Isn't that very interesting? The no business decided to have a punt. Anyway, t- to keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Back then in the day, the child minder came into the home, Neil. It was bliss. Children were never pulled out of bed at an unearthly hour, or else children uh, would go to a child minder, possibly in their own locality nearby. At around three years old, nursery schools was the norm. They're amazing places. All skills were learned there in a place for junior infants. With nursery school hours, children were only away from home for three or so hours a day. And those children had lots of activities and nature walks and gardening with the childminder. I've passed a few creches and the yards are just basic concrete. Childminders are allowed a tax-free allowance for minding a few children. I think it's 15 grand per annum. Why not have this type of scheme instead of all of the funding and crowded creches, says Anne, advocating the days of when childminders came into your own home. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. It's just uh, Billy's talking about silent carriages, you know, where you can get into a carriage and it's absolutely silent. But he says in Europe, mainly in the Netherlands and Denmark, Within the carriages marked silence, you are not allowed to talk to anyone, nor use your phone and your iPad. You only use them if you have headphones plugged in. If you don't comply, you are asked to leave the train 
by security. Um, we have them in theory in Ireland in trains, but unfortunately not always in practice. And from Airtastic, uh, poor old Megan, who couldn't play at the birthday party because of um, whatever rules and regulations they had down there. I really feel for that little girl, Megan, but can also see things from Airtastic's side as well. At a time when claim, claims against companies like Airtastic are through the roof, and the ability for them to get insurance being so difficult, I'd say they just could not perhaps take the risk. Well, you are aware that Megan was able to get out of the wheelchair and, and walk. Um, she had limited ability to walk, but she could walk. So there were a lot of things. I mean, the wheelchair wasn't going into the play area or the soft toys area. My son is six and he has autism. He wears ear defenders and he's really impatient watching the video. But I've never had an issue with the staff. They've always been really nice there. He loves the toddler area. He's too old for it now. But they still let him in to Airtastic because he doesn't understand that he's not allowed in and they were very understanding. I'm really sad to hear some other kids have had bad experiences. Hopefully they learn from it. But I just had to add that we have always had a good experience there. In fact, that was actually a text that was sent in by by Marley. Um, So it's interesting that different families were treated differently. Marley, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, so you were surprised to hear about what happened to Megan at the... There was 20 kids at the birthday party. Only one wasn't allowed to participate. Megan, who had a little wheelchair. Yeah, that's really sad to hear. That wouldn't be our experience, so that's why I had to message in. But is your um, lad in a wheelchair? No, he's not. So it is It is quite different, but with his disability, I just had to add that they've always been really nice to us. Um, like I said, he's really impatient watching the video. That's the only struggle we'd have. You know, he's like, he gets very frustrated. He'll start kind of screaming and it kind of bothers the other kids that are watching the video. And it is quite hard watching the video, but I do... Oh, the video is like, what is that? Is it kind of the little training thing you have to watch before you go into play? Yeah, it's about four minutes long, but I'm telling you it's the, the longest four minutes of our day because he just can't wait. He's so excited to go in and he has to sit down and watch something that he doesn't understand at all. Like, he's not taking anything in, only I am. Um, But I do understand it, um, especially with all the insurance kind of things. Like, you know, especially with Chucky's being closed, you don't want these other places being closed as well, like, because we have to have somewhere to bring them. But the wheelchair wasn't going into the play area. She was going to get up and walk in with the other kids at the oh, birthday party. Like all of, the, all of the adults who were there and the parents, they were very upset observing all of this. Oh my God, I can completely imagine. Like, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I don't know what their policies are on that, but they, they definitely have to change something there and learn from that. I just wanted to point out that we've had really good experiences there such as the toddler area, he's too big for it, but they still let him in because they know he doesn't understand and he does get upset. But isn't that, a, no disrespect to your son, but the, isn't yeah. that a risk to toddlers who are much smaller than him who could do get hurt? I, I do agree with you there. I do agree, but it's very hard to explain to a non-verbal child that they're not allowed in somewhere they really enjoy. So I can imagine, you know, those parents telling that girl that this business isn't letting them go in and play. Do you know, I completely understand. I think it's really sad. I think they've a lot to learn. Um, they do if they allow a six-year-old lad into a toddler area, but they won't allow a girl obviously invited to a birthday party to go in and play with her pals. To be segregated and isolated like that, it's cruel. I know. I know we have had experiences like that in the past elsewhere, and it's soul-crushing. It's like, And it's very upsetting never... for a parent as well to feel their it child is. being treated like that. It is, and you, you don't want to support that business anymore. You, it's, it's awful. Like, I've been on the other end of that as well. Um, 
I just did want to point out that they have always been very good to us. Good. No, grand. Nice. I know. Fair play to you. It's important that yeah. uh, you accentuate the positive. I'm just, I'm just pushing back to say, you know, for Megan and her family and everybody oh, that no, was there. Absolutely. It's very absolutely. upsetting. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Marley. Take care. Actually, well said. Um, um, with regards to somebody who uh, sent me a, a, a little a copy of uh, Ted Deneen who came up to cheer Megan, apparently, with his famous lightning MC Queen car. And he took her for a spin. Um, and the post that went up was a huge thanks to Ted Deneen for coming up to cheer Megan today. Um, good people, kind people always outweigh the badness in this world. And there's some great photographs of Megan inside in this seriously souped up, fantastic looking car, really lightning car, big lightning streaks down the side of it and everything. Apparently she got a great buzz out of it and was delighted to see Ted, who did a kind gesture. Um, so where there's, you know, unkind people, there are always equally kind ones. Text 0868104106. There may be uh, some update already with regards to um, the crash situation from this morning. Councillor Mick Nugent joins me again with regards to the before crash closure. Mick, good morning. What's the update at this stage? Quite fast indeed. Yeah, uh, I just got um, I got a text from a manager of another childcare uh, company and I was talking to that person there just in the last while. Um, they have multiple sites in Cork and Dublin and the East Coast. So they are interested in talking to um, the board of Before Five. They were just having difficulty this morning making contact, but myself and Kenny Collins now, um, we do know someone on the board. We just discovered that. We do know someone on the board. So um, we're initiating contact now between the, um, both parties to at least start talking there. So hopefully, Neil, there might be some, there might be a development there, you know. So it's a national company who are already involved in childcare. Yes, yeah. already involved. Already so they would just hit up. the ground running. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and they have, as as I said, they have multiple sites already, so they have the experience, they're involved. Okay, um, good news, okay. They're, okay. They're, yeah, they're aware before five, um, they, they were looking at it on media, um, so they thought, yeah, um, that it was, it was you know, devastating news. Like, But they're interested, they're interested at least to open up that contact with the board before five and hopefully that engagement now between both will um, will start today. You okay, know? So okay. Would they be interested in Little there? Paradise at all over in Frankfield in the Douglas area, the greater Douglas area, no? Although I, I did hear yeah. that there was a, a a fairly hefty fee being sought for the sale of it, but would they look at that as well, no? I, look, we can mention it. I was just talking to um, Kenilman researchers there, you know, that maybe that needs to be talked about as well. So I can certainly mention it. I'll be talking to them again anyway. Um, and that might be, you know, that might be of interest to them as well. I suppose in the meantime, hopefully, you know, something will go for... Um, so you're hooking that company up with at least one of the board members who then will yes. take it to board and hopefully... Time is yes. of the essence here because the clock is ticking though. But that's great absolutely. news. I hope it works absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's beholden on the board now uh, before five, which they, which is outlined in their letter to stakeholders that they would facilitate um, an alternative provider at the location. So they just need to honour that now. And I didn't see that. Where was that written? It was in um, the the letter that um, they sent to uh, the email we got yesterday afternoon. Um, I think I think it's on the letter. Right, you might okay. have that Neil. It was at the end of the yeah, I was down there in the end of the letter saying that they they would um they would facilitate an alternative provider to location kind of in due course. I didn't sense urgency there, but hopefully this um this offer now from this credible company will be 
seen as well. It said um, we. It says we were looking forward to the possibility of having an alternative childcare yes. provision set up at this location eventually, yeah. but we'll have to yeah. wait and see how things unfold. That's quite watery, yeah. you know. That's very wishy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It needs to be a bit more than that, no, yeah. you know. So no, no. Um, no it was. This was the doors closed job until people like your good self intervened yes. and Colin Tobin. This was gone, yep. like. So drive that yes. one on and see if it works out, mate. Fair play. Yeah, and we we'll let you know of any development. All right, anyway. all right. Thanks. Uh, the staff actually, the staff are I think amazing in themselves in the next hour or so. So we're going to catch up with them as well today. Hope it works out. Okay, delicate stage. Drive on. Do stay in touch. Take care, Mick. Take care. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And earlier on in the week, I didn't get to this earlier. My apologies to Claire, who did a bit of work on it. She joins me in studio. This was a survey done by Schweppes, wasn't it? Yes. They were trying to work out what was the best and most popular decade. Yes. And they came up with an answer. They did. And I don't know if I fully agree with that answer. Now, it was done for an age group that was age 9 to 24. So that was the age group that the, that it was done on. And apparently more than half of people feel nostalgic for the noughties and almost the same number wish that they still lived in that decade. You mean the people that were researched were 9 to 24 years old? Mm-hmm. So like they wouldn't even remember. They, they wouldn't even remember the noughties. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's what it said They're as well. Despite most of them being too young to remember it. But it was an awfully boring decade. <laughs> like, well, it was see, the most boring decade of them all. <laughs> I can't say much about being too young to remember it because my favourite decade is the 80s and I wasn't even alive in the 80s. So how can you even say that? You're, you're frying my brain. Well, you see, you it's weren't just, there. I know, but like, it's just the kind of, especially the music for me, I love the music, I love the movies, I love the style, I just love that whole vibe of the 80s and I always loved it growing up and when I was younger. So you're a retro fan of it? Yeah, I'm a bit. You didn't live it? No, did not live it. What decade did you live? I The 90s. What was wrong with the 90s? The 90s were grand. I mean, I love the 90s because like, it was real like girl power, girl band, the Spice Girls were huge there. And I think the 90s is great for a lot of people. On, on socials, a lot of people were saying 90s all the way. You know, the 90s were the best decade. I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. Actually, and the truth of it is to whomever said that, that yeah. after 1989, music took an enormous dump. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, in the 90s, I feel like the bandwagoning in Ireland was just huge because we had 1990 we had Italian 90 which was massive and then we also had like a kind of a streak of Eurovision wins which everyone was just all about oh be still my beating heart oh of course Neil you were just totally top of the bandwagon area sleepless (laughs) nights with that one okay so what we did then was we decided to break down the decades just to this gives serious weight to the 80s your research here now that's probably because I'm biased but yeah but isn't it the case that you have to isn't it the case you made the point earlier on that the decade that you love the most will be the decade that gave you the most freedom of responsibility yes exactly and someone said that to be as well before that the decade you probably loved was the one where you had the least responsibility in life yeah. you didn't you know you, you didn't have to worry about probably like bills or you didn't have to worry about your Children, job or you didn't have to worry about kids mortgages all that kind college. of thing you were just having fun with your friends you know I'd say that's the kind of decade that a lot of people would probably go back to and think of of being like the best time of their lives yeah. can you split decades for me it's always been 7585 okay, 7484 yeah. do you know yeah. I, don't want, I, I loved the 80s it was fabulous musically I was working away gigging doing the biz yeah. following a great you know passion 
But I don't want to forget the back end of the 70s yeah. that were, you know, also fabulous, you know, the discovery of girls. You know? <laughs> was that a fun time for you? It was a great time. The original, the original falling in love with music, yeah. Yeah, going to the big movies like Jaws and Cuckoo's Nest and stuff like and I, that. And I suppose that depends on where, where you fall, where your kind of formative years were, where your adolescence came in, and maybe yours happened to fall in that Between kind of, two between. decades. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what have you got for me here audio-wise? So I just put a little clip together of some of the, like, either the best songs or the real, you know, songs that kind of um, sum up the decade just in a few clips there this is the 80s yeah oh what an awful start ah stop lovely oh, one awful that was on number one for a long time in Ireland oh, oh what an awful awful song <laughs> I thought you said you loved the 80s not those ones though what about Relax by Frankie or something mm, might be in there now Oh, for God's sake, woman. Ah, yeah. Madonna, the Queen. Come on. These are some of the biggest songs of the 80s. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. there you go then. Typical 80s. Now, do they know it's Christmas is also huge in that decade, no, but, but I, I said Michael we Jackson wouldn't subject ourselves. Michael Jackson, albums-wise, Michael Jackson's Thriller and Bad were huge that year, as well as Brother in Arms, Sir Straits. So oh, was a really a big album. album that year. And I think that really stands the test of time. And I think a lot of the 80s acts, you know, like Queen, Prince, Elton John, you know, even like, like Bon Jovi, David Boy, U2 was huge then, you know, and of course Michael Jackson. I think those artists you could nearly see still doing just as well into the 90s. And, and that was and the decade the of Band-Aid and Live Aid and everything Which, that went with it. And if you see footage from that show, that Band-Aid show, like the quality of music and performers, which you will no, we're just unbelievable. Like, just you know everyone, you know all the songs. Um, if it was a Band Aid or a Live Aid now, would yeah. they have the same caliber of talent that they had in '85? Of that le- that level of talent? Oh God, I, I don't know. Again, I don't. Th- I actually don't think know? so. I really yeah. don't. I mean, we, we could say we could debate that all day. But films, then you also mm-hmm. looked at the '80s films. Yeah, so like I love '80s films as well. You know, the like Top Gun and Dirty Dancing. I would love those kinds of ones. They're like proper '80s, and then ones that did really well in the '80s would have been the likes of ET. Back to the Future was huge in that decade, and then the Star Wars trilogy. Those two, the two latter ones of the first trilogy, and ended in the '80s, and they were very iconic as well for that decade. I never so saw very, very Top popular. Gun. I never saw Dirty Dancing. Were they any good? No, no, no. It's a dirty dancing and old rom-com, ne- is it? No, Patrick Swayze. Dirty I, mean, I don't fancy Patrick love Swayze. It. Watch that movie and you might change your mind. 80s <laughs> would have been, that would have been the year of Goodfellas. You don't mention that. No, I didn't mention that. There you go. That's what you're here for. You can okay. add to it. There was a few of the, of the Godfathers in there. It was this. the Godfather late 70s. All I think right, that okay, was 77 maybe. Okay, I, I, I don't want to leave the 80s here, but yeah. I think we need to we move have to on go, to We have to go, we have to go. So mm-hmm. the 90s, okay, 90s. go for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this would be musically the 90s, is it? Yeah. Okay, surprise me. Nah, there's nothing for me. It was number one for 11 weeks in Ireland. That's Huge. women, though. Women were buying it. Well, they did it, didn't they? I don't like it. You're taking the make now. Ah, uh, come on. Just everything I hated about the 90s. <laughs> that music. These are head bops. Ooh, I like that. 18 weeks at number one. What's that? Riverdance, 18 weeks 18 at number one. 18 weeks at number one in Ireland. Surge of Britpop boys, all of that, you know. That's a good sum up of that decade, really, because you're getting a bit of everything in there. And oh my God, I, I just go all goose pimply when I hear yeah. Oasis. Yeah, Because yeah, they yeah. just blew the world up in the 90s. And you hear that you hear that song and you just, you know, you're back to Fela, you're attitude. back to Blur, you're attitude. back to... Attitude, yeah, yeah. Attitude, absolutely. Yeah, um, Riverdance, though. Yeah. Do you, you, are you too young to remember the actual performance of it in the middle of Eurovision? I, I'm a big Eurovision fan and I don't remember Riverdance. I... 
the I, but what a lot of people do say is that they remember where they were when they saw Riverdance live on television. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes like people have recalled it before because they'd say, well, where were you when you saw Riverdance? And the hairs would stand up in their arms just even thinking about it or remembering it. And everybody kind of remembers where they were. And for it to be 18 weeks at number one, you know, that was when Ireland had gotten like their three in a row in the Eurovision. They were just smashing it every year. And, you know, it was so big. And we got it in Mill Street and everything like that in Cork. I mean, you you obviously remember it. It must have just been bonkers. I do, but don't ask me where I was. I can't remember where I was. It wasn't because mm-hmm. I don't particularly watch Eurovision. Sure. So I, I would have missed it. But yeah, I remember yeah. all of that. Yeah. All of that hype afterwards. And Riverdance is still huge, like all over the world. So, you know, that was an absolutely huge platform for Riverdance. And everywhere you looked, it was flatly. Yeah. And, and Jean, um, what was her name? The girl that danced with them. She was equally as talented Jean as Butler. Jean, Jean Butler. Butler. Well said. Okay, so what kind of album sales then? We were we won't bother with the Spice Girls. I know they were selling out the Yin Yang. <laughs> but David Gray. Yes. To the 90s. And David Gray's White Ladder is actually the biggest selling album in Ireland of all time. And Amazing, you spoke with him yeah. before, I remember, about yeah. that. And it just caught on. I think everybody knew this someone who had that. Yeah, you know, Films? Babylon and all that films Titanic absolute blockbuster Jurassic Park huge blockbuster Forrest Gump another absolutely massive one of the, with a mega soundtrack there um, you know a lot of those really big films were kind of hit Dances and hard with wolves what a film big film do you know the, I think the 90s is a great era for those kind of films you know real epic movies that you know you're just like gripping ones I think they're brilliant and the action movies as well in the 90s were, were absolutely brilliant so the 90s has a lot going for it there. and Celine Dion dominated as well as Mariah Huge, Carey didn't she yeah. musically Celine George Dion, Michael was, was rocking that absolutely because he kind of come out of the wham era of the 80s and really made a name for himself in the 90s you know and you had the, 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 the boy bands girl bands you know the boys on the take that all you know um, all that kind of stuff and Britney Spears as well was hitting, hitting into the late 90s okay and then into the noughties and apart yeah. from um, two superstars in my, in my mm-hmm, eye Eminem mm-hmm. and Amy Winehouse yeah. it was a pretty poor decade have a listen you're beautiful you're beautiful you're beautiful it's true God help us they don't age well those songs this one particularly gets on my nerves. <laughs> Understandably so, it's shocking. And there's Amy then. Her Back to Black album was huge. That came out in 2006 and I think that's just become legendary now at this point. Would that be one of the biggest sellers of the decade, Back it's to Black? Of the decade? Apart from Back to Bedlam. Probably. Well, Back to Bedlam, yeah. Back to Bedlam comes in at 11th actually in the biggest selling albums of all time in Ireland. So that came up really high. But, but with going back to um, best selling albums of all time in Ireland in the top 10 seven of them were actually from the 90s how does that work they, they transferred from one decade into the next um, no, no no like as in out of out of all the best selling albums of all time in Ireland oh sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. are all 90s albums a lot of them are the 90s uh, you'd have the odd ones now that would be in the noughties Back to Bedlam is in there um, there's one from Lady Gaga as well and a big one as well from U2 is All That You Can't Leave Behind that was just in the cusp of the, the noughties yeah but I'm looking back at the 80s again then you know you had Bowie in there and mm. you had Phil Collins and Springsteen yeah. was in there and Whitney was yeah. in there Elton John was in his heyday it's a fairly powerful decade very to take strong on. decade for music but 
but as you said it's all subjective depends on how old you are you know wh- wh- when you had your, your peak in life or maybe where you were most you know yeah, footloose I mean, and fancy free and, if you were, if you were yeah. a fan of the 60s you were, grew up in the 60s and you were there for the Beatles or the show bands mm-hmm. and stuff, it will always be yeah, the absolutely. 60s totally. you know, it might be a flower power kid from the 70s or what have you yeah and one, one person on social media they commented on it and they said uh, they would have loved to have been around in the 60s with the hippie scene and the music of the likes of like the Stones and Led Zeppelin and Cream and things like that but they still kind of said at the end that the 90s were, were better the Brit pop and all of that you know and just great times I think Ireland was just kind of maybe more coming into itself as well in the 90s Okay and so will we will we call it then? We say one, two, three The 80s, 80s. <laughs> Well said, Claire. We work well together. Thanks for that. (laughs) Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. George Patterson from the Roaring Forties probably goes back to the 1940s. Joke. Let's find out what his favourite decade was. George! Hello, how are you? I'm putting an extra zero on your age there, but if I remember correctly, during the 80s, you were sound engineering for Motorhead. I was, yes. I was pretty much out of the loop then. Um... I, 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 when I came back off tours, uh, I, I didn't really want to listen to music at all. <laughs> What's your hearing like after this? Uh, I have uh, a. Night after night after night, Lemmy doing his thing. What was that like? Fabulous. When I look back, it was fabulous. It was it's hard work. Uh, it's very different, and um, uh, but it was it was like it was my five minutes of fame. I was like I was doing that. It was absolutely amazing. It was. Uh, it was ever I look, if ever I think back to anything, yeah, I think to myself, okay, if I, I when I when I finished doing that in in uh, 1989. Uh, I, I then went straight back into being a design draftsman. Uh, when, I was, when I wasn't on tour, I was a design and development draftsman. Some so contrast there, isn't that. it? They say yeah, that about Lemmy as well. You, I think you told me the story years ago that he might have been full-on loud and upfront, but he was actually a fairly cultured dude who, who liked to collect wine and things, right? He did, yeah. He was lovely. He liked to collect Nazi memorabilia as well. Oh, well, there yeah, you go. That <laughs> going was a Brexit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, anyway, listen. I just wanted to mention the. I just wanted to mention the different decades with you because um, uh, you're there, right in front and centre musically. But this weekend, you got something extra special on, and it kicks off, I believe, on. Is it Saturday? The festival, the carnival at North Main Street. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, the North Main Street Carnival. I called it a carnival because I got a um, a fight. I keep I keep wanting to say a uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, well, it's a a fire breather. Oh, a fire eater. Fire eater. That's it. But these breathers, it's like, yeah, so she's... Um, they swallow it and blow it back out again, yeah. So she's they a professional breathe, yeah, yeah. fire person eater. Yeah, she's she a professional fire, yeah. Okay. Fire woman. Okay, so it's yeah. going to take on... Is, is North Main Street closed off so that people can just get involved in the carnival? It is, yeah. Yeah, we're quite, it's closed from 8 o'clock in the evening uh, until uh, 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 in the evening. All day Saturday. What well, else besides fire eaters? Oh, well, well we've got... Uh, I've um, got Fiona Kennedy. She's playing right at it. And uh, Clan... Clanarian. Oh, how to say it? <laughs> There's buses. Clanaran? Clanarian. I have no Clan idea. Aaron. I have to... Clanarian. 
They're a great band. They're a great band. Friends oh, Clon Aaron. Okay. Yeah. Farm animals, Clown family Aaron. fun, music, fire yeah. eaters, dog shows, face painters, craft work, spot yeah. prizes. Um, is this the first year for this? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's to. Um, it's to. It's just. To, it's. It's to shine a light on the spine of the medieval city. And it is just that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It, it deserves this. Um, and it's also right at the same time the new building down the road. Uh, they have taken the hoardings down for us, and uh, and that's and all the uh, all the pavements are being cleaned, and uh, and we have the whole building there. And Coleman's Lane is there, you know, in its in its new in its new facade. I mean, it's just, it's such a rich area of history, isn't it? Um, the ma- it was the main trading street in Cork for centuries, and it was also the main was. entrance and exit, wasn't it, George? Into was. what was a walled city of Cork. It was indeed. It was a fortress. It was from north, south, uh, south jail, north jail. So yeah. the north, um, north Main Street, um, as, as that went across North, north Main Bridge, uh, Street Bridge. Uh, that there, right there, the gate was a jail, and the same was up the south. Uh, and uh, and the road just ran all the way down the middle. This seems and like an awful lot of old-fashioned fun, actually, this carnival, you know? It's got, you got 17-foot dartboards, you got an opportunity to milk cows, test your strength. Is yeah. that with the with the hammer on the bell, is it? Yeah, that's it, yeah, test your strength. And you've got, I've got a big one of those uh, uh, go-round-the-wires. It's a giant go-round-the-wire thing without buzzing it. Oh yeah, like Jenga or something yeah. like that, isn't it? Yeah, I would. No, I've got I've got large Jengas. Yeah, they're um, they're good. Um, and uh, we've got we've got a farm down there, um, music and and everyone's. Uh, I'm doing um, we're doing um, what they called uh, spot prizes for the the best um, the best dressed frontage as well. I just want to be like there for the wire buzzer. For I think you're also doing. There's a big. There's some puppet shows on Saturday afternoon, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I have a list here. I've got puppet shows, we've got magic shows, uh, we've got an ice cream bike. Um, what is that, a bike made of ice cream? No, no, it's just a bike that has a box on it with ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got a smoothie bike. Now, the smoothie bike is actually, you get on it and you ride it, and, it, and on the back there's a contraption, contraption that actually um, makes the smoothie. Uh, so that would be quite good. Um uh, I'm waiting to see what that's going to look like myself. I think it's way overdue stuff. that you have a day in, on the North Main Street like this. It really and truly is important because of the uh, historical... Hopefully, hopefully it'll be um, successful enough to, to carry on on a yearly basis. I'll put the bunting up. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Good <laughs> you man. have to have bunting, yeah. don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good man. Well, I mean, uh, the weather isn't looking too bad. It should It should hold fairly nice for you. Lots of bright yeah, spells exactly. across the Saturday. So it's just rock, in, rock up with the family to the North Main Street and all the streets off it from midday on Saturday. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Um, I think the, was it? And uh, the uh, Daltons are doing uh, blood tests as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. That, uh, that just wrecked my buzz. A blood test to the chemist. But don't... <laughs> And we've got, oh yeah, the Lord, uh, Kieran, Kieran McCarthy is going to come down and he's going to do a, a small lecture, an hour-long lecture um, in um, St. Peter's Church, uh, the Vision Centre, about the history of this area. 
and there's a lot of history to be going on with at least 800 years or more alright well listen I'll make sure it gets a big shout out again across tomorrow but best of luck with it, it may it be the first of many to come the North Main Street Carnival Saturday midnight till 6 p.m. Um, nice one George stay in touch and have a good one thank you 70s would be my best instant replay Dan Hartman Odyssey Earth Wind and Fire Disco is your thing well, I, I, I found through um, COVID, uh, what I was listening to a lot was, I mean, obviously it was Bowie and Led Zeppelin and uh, Queen and, and that part of the 80s. Um, uh, but um, the 70s discoing was great. We yeah. do, I was doing that. Yeah. You know, I was doing a whole thing during lockdown uh, where every week we'd do um, karaoke. And I found it was all the 70s songs that we were doing. Uh, yeah, but, but, yeah. I, I'm just trying to picture you now with the wide lapels and with the uh, with the platforms and the big wide flares, you know, and the bold colours, the big brassy I was, no, shirts. I was a punk rocker. I was a punk rocker as well. <laughs> that would but make I more did, sense. Did, yeah, 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 I was. Yeah, I went to see uh, I went to see the Sex Pistols and um, uh, the Clash. I saw them all. I saw most of them. the Ramones, the Damned. Oh wow. So how could you like that type of music and at the same time say you appreciate disco? It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's just... I think I'm just... Uh, what's the word? Stupid. <laughs> no, just broad taste. We'll chat again. i gotta keep, I got to keep moving. Enjoy Saturday. Have a great day. Fair play to you. Cheers, my man. The North Main Street Carnival starts midday on Saturday. We can talk more about decades and decades of your choice. Tomorrow, our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. But uh, right now, Red FM's breakfast starts on Monday morning with KC at 6 a.m., the all-new breakfast. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.